Chiefs haven't done since week 10 against the Titans. Lost. This will all this will be the Titans' fourth straight road game. The Titans have made an incredible run. A run I saw coming and therefore predicted. But the run ends at Arrowhead. The Chiefs are better the better team. The Chiefs are the best player in the NFL. Andy Reid has shown us that he's ready to step on some fucking throats and not let up let, but like he did last week. I do not see that changing this week. I do not see that changing this season. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 seasons, and we all should consider ourselves the luckiest Chiefs fans to ever live because there has never been a better time to be a Chiefs fan. There has never been a better time to be alive. The NFL changes every year, but we are at the beginning of a dynasty in Kansas City. I just hope you buckled your seatbelts up and got plenty of snacks because Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are taking us on a trip that we have yet to ever experience in our lifetimes. And I'm glad to share with all of you, the Chiefs are here to win a Super Bowl. And in the words of our owner, Clark Hunt, anything less is not a success. All sports, all the time. Heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. The Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell going on? and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 48 is in full swing, full motion, and we are so glad to be here tonight giving you guys what we got all things Chiefs related, all things Chiefs content. We're very excited to be talking about this, guys. And we want to thank all of our listeners to this point that have been a part of this journey, been a part of this ride. We thank you guys. We would not be able to do this without you. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want to do this without you guys because that's what makes this whole thing fun and the experience what it is. And so you guys can follow us on Twitter at The Spoken Pod. You can find us on our group page on Facebook. Just type in The Spoken and we'll invite you right in. You can find Trevor, Eddie, and myself at Trevor, Trev the Spoken, Eddie the Spoken, and Lance the Spoken. And then we'll take care of business from there. So we're going to get right to some, I would say, and, and, and I, I'll start with this. I was so eager 
to get right to breaking down this Super Bowl matchup. After all, it's not only the first one we've that I've gotten to analyze and involve my team, but it's also a talent and coaching matchup of a lifetime. But I told myself, Lance, it's time for you to soak this in. Soak it up. Enjoy what we're in right now, and that's the celebration of getting to this point. Yes, the road still leads to a match in Miami, but there is no shame in reflecting upon the path that you that got you here. The moment Frank Clark ended the game with the sack on Ryan Tannehill, you can ask Trevor, I fell to my knees and I immediately began to cry. The obvious tears of joy overwhelmed me and I didn't even attempt to stop or slow them down because they were built up from the early my earliest memories. And that is why January 19th, 2020 will forever hold a place in my memory because it brought all of my memories to the forefront and solidified every single one of them. It gave them purpose. It justified my refusal to quit on a team that to that point had ended my winters with tears of anything but joy. And it oftentimes made me believe that they quit on me. And in that moment, I thought about the earliest remembrances as a Chiefs fan, recalling being five, six years old, seeing my father jump up from his chair, cheering and or cussing at the TV screen on Sundays while Joe Montana and Derek Thomas led the way. I thought about the seven year I thought about being seven years old watching field goal misses and the Chiefs promising Super Bowl run in prematurely. I thought about the highly exciting, high octane, high scoring Vermeil offenses of the early two thousands led by Trent Green, Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez, Will Shields, Willie Rofe, Casey Wigman, Brian Waters, Tony Richardson, Eddie Kinnison. Did I mention Dante Hall? I thought about the 10-38 and 38 record the team hoisted from 2007 to 2009 and how something called a Tyler Thigpen somehow made it suck less. I thought about the promise of something new when Clark Hunt really took the reins and got aggressive signing Scott Pioli and traded for Matt Castle. The future was bright <laughs> until it wasn't. And yet again, the L's stacked within 36 months. I thought about Clark Hunt making right what was once wrong, cutting ties with Pioli, getting Castle all the way the fuck out of KC, and once the moment came that the Eagles decided to part ways with Andy Reid, Clark didn't let him leave his house without picking him up in the private jet and wouldn't take no for an answer. I thought about Alex Smith and how Andy Reid made him look greater than he was, what some of us knew he was, and how we had to touch, we had to tough through watching Groundhog's Day for six straight seasons adding to an already impressive Rolodex of heartbreaking and history-making playoff losses. I thought about the time I almost gave up on, my, on the Chiefs. In March of 2017, I vowed that if the Chiefs passed up on a first-round quarterback for the 35th consecutive draft, that I would be done. I couldn't take the retread method any longer. Give me something to believe, or I am done forever. I thought about the Chiefs taking a chance on a quarterback out of Texas Tech. A pitcher's son that was known to be wild, sporadic, and anything that we have never had at KC as, at, at quarterback in KC. And I fell in love with this team all over again for simply allowing me that chance, a chance to rally behind a true franchise quarterback. I thought about 2018 and how Mahomes set his city, this city and, quite frankly, the NFL with his never-before-seen style and skill set on fire, making the weight of having what, we, what he is and what me, he means to us Chiefs fans all the more worth it. And even though... Even through another heartbreaking loss in the AFC Championship, there was an unprecedented amount of hope, confidence, and belief that this team would not only be right back to where they left off, but would advance even further in 2018. And I thought about this offseason and how fucking insane and stressful it was, starting up this podcast in February, and within weeks we have to tackle the Tyreek Hill scandal. Watching this team handle it all, drafting looked to be what looked to be his replacement, McCole Hardman, only for it to be deemed false. Tyreek is free and everything seemed to be okay. 
But then the injuries came, and they came by the multitude. I thought about Mahomes' knee and how so certain Trevor and I thought his season was over that night when it happened and when we watched him go down. I thought about how the team said, fuck no, and didn't let Mahomes, for the time that he had missed, keep them from their mission and what was to maintain the excellence to get to the Super Bowl. I thought about seeing Mahomes return like Bobby Boucher and the Waterboy to make his team, take his team to the Bourbon Bowl and rise above physical pain and ailment and take the Chiefs on a current run of 6-1 and one into the playoffs. And I thought about being down 24-0 to a team I was certain the Chiefs would dominate wire-to-wire, wire, only to see the one known as a showtime bring us back from the dead and lead us to a 51-7 stretch. I thought about the difference in how I felt about the AFC Championship as opposed to the 2018 AFC Championship and how that same hope, confidence, and belief that I had in this team not only would return right back to where they left off, but would advance them even further was still inside of me. And I knew that this team would get the job done this time. Whether it was for Andy Reid, Lamar Hunt, Clark Hunt, Patrick Mahomes, the fans are all the above. It happened. It really, really happened. I thought about my grandpa. And just how cool it would have been to have him experience that with us. The biggest, most loyal Chiefs fan I, I ever knew that I remember running and screaming outside with Rich Gannon led the Chiefs down the field to get to, to uh, see Pete Stoyanovich in place to nail a 54-yard field goal and call ball game on the Broncos 24-22. to Or when, we, when he would say, eat a rocket, Ray Crockett. When he would only wear the same Chiefs shirt when I would come to his farm and watch games with him because it was good luck to him. He deserved to see this. And I know many of you out there have the same stories with your loved ones that you'd give anything for them to be there to embrace in that very moment. There was so much that I had thought about in that moment of tears and euphoria. <clears throat> but what I couldn't help but think was the fact that despite the pain, sadness, and amount of loss, I wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team in the world. I love this team with all my heart, and it didn't take much to know that we truly are the luckiest generation of Chiefs fans to ever live. But let's enjoy this together, guys, because it's about to be greater than anything, anything we could have ever imagined or could have thought about it being. A team no longer identified by the past or the hopes of a future patiently waited upon, but rather the present. And I think that's everything we've ever waited for. And I just want to get your guys' thoughts on this, too, because you guys obviously know how much that meant to me. And Yeah. Trev, we got to watch that game together. Eddie, I know you were down for the count with your sickness, man. I'm glad you, you know, look to be feeling better. At least you look better. I look better, bro. <laughs> yeah, that that, w, that w is the best medicine you could have had that day. <laughs> right. so. still feel it. it doesn't come in bottle form, but it definitely it definitely comes in arrowhead <laughs> yeah. form, that's for sure. Yeah. But Trevor, uh, give me give me some of your thoughts, man, on this. Yeah, I mean, you you went down the checklist of all the the heartbreaks that we've endured as Chiefs fans, especially in our lifetime. You know, the 90s were were great, but very, very rough um to endure. Um like you said, every every everybody in the city probably has a story uh, with whether it's you know experiencing these losses, these heartbreaking playoff losses um, with family or with, with loved ones that are still here or no longer with us. Um, that would love to see what's what's happening right now, what's taking place with this new generation of Chiefs, this Chiefs dynasty, perhaps. Um, yeah. So, like, what I mean is, everyone has their own stories. We have our own. We've all endured this pain together, you know, in different ways. Possibly, we've vented this the, our, our rage with this with this team and this organization, you know, over the years in different ways. Uh, some people gave up, some people stuck it out. The thing about the Chiefs is being a Chiefs fan since my the entirety of my life is it's one of the worst. It was one of the worst teams to ever be a fan for fan of because we were never like a terrible team. 
it's easy to follow a team. Like if I'm a Browns fan, it's easy to be a Browns fan because you know most of the time, 90% of the time, your team's going to be awful and they're more likely going to lose on a biweekly basis. That's a that's that's a much easier to accept than to know your team is going to be fighting for a division title every every year. But then you know the blunder is coming. You know the other shoe is going to fall once you get to the postseason. And we all have that expectation. That's what makes this feeling so bizarre and unique and exciting and frightening. But the fact that we got over the hump, we took that, we got our trophy back that belonged here. We brought it back home as special. That is not only to the fans, but the, to the family of the organization to one of the, you know, the, one of the fathers of the NFL um, to make this sport, what it is today. Um, us being one of the origin teams, the bloodline teams of this organization, which is the NFL, um, the shield, uh, it's special, man. And I, I do believe that not only natives of this city, Kansas or Missouri, I don't want to hear about this is Missouri's win. You can go fuck yourself. There are fans of all over the Midwest that love this team dearly, not even the Midwest, all over this globe. Um, there's elite packs of fans all over the globe for this team. And it's only growing due to this popularity of this team, you know, which is warranted. We've all endured pain, man. And, I've compared this being a Chiefs fan, you know, since the beginning of this podcast. We've, we've, whenever we have discussions like this, compared, you know, to a, you know, a bad relationship, you know, and we find we finally find the one, you know, that that, and it doesn't it doesn't feel real. It, we're, it's hard for us to accept, you know, that this this could be the one that this person is actually really really good for us, and that's how it feels in a way, you know. And when we when we won that that game last week, obviously I was emotional. Obviously, I blacked out. I couldn't even see straight. I mean, me and Lance were chugging beers and, you know, celebrating, you know, cussing up a storm in our house out of pure joy and, and, you know, screaming one minute, crying one second, you know. Um, So, yeah, as far as the city, man, there's you can feel it in the air. Um, All I can think about is just the next step uh, and, and completing the process. You know, we got here. Let's take care of business. This city is going to absolutely erupt if we go out there and take care of business in Miami. Um, so all I can say to Chiefs fans is just, you know, keep that energy. For those fans that are going to Miami, keep that energy. As far as what I heard. That and the, your the, job if you can afford it. Yeah, screw your job. <laughs> this is more important. Um, but like I said, for the Chiefs fans, I suppose that the Chiefs, that there's more uh, tickets sold to Chiefs fans from what I heard. As far as the stats go, from what they're talking about, the ticket sales, there's more Chiefs fans going to this game than there is anybody sold in California, whatever that means. Either way, the kingdom's going to bring it. Our people are going to be out there. But as far as me personally, this is super special to me because Lance also, also mentioned you know, our grandfather, who we spent most of our life watching Chiefs game with. Um, it's a very special bond that we had growing up. Uh, Sundays were pretty much a weekly holiday for us during football season. Um much more heartbreak than than happiness, but also a lot of happiness just from the good moments that we've we've been doing we've we've you know experienced with him and then with you know my our father and other people in general that are always around when we watch the games. So it's special to us. Like like I said, everyone's got their story. Everyone there's so many fans out there that are in, within a tight knit group that have their experiences, whether at the stadium or at home in their living room watching the games. Um, it's exciting, man. It's, it's the, there's never been a better time to be a Chiefs fan. Um, and I really, truly believe this is just the beginning. Um, we got we to go finish business, man. And we want to start this dynasty. This is this is the best way to start it. Um, so 
Chiefs Kingdom, let's go finish business, man. I wish I had a cool story just like you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't say the same about uh, being a lifelong Chiefs fan uh, because I obviously lived in Mexico for about 10 years of my life. Uh, this, this is from since I was born to 10 years old. So right. I didn't know the sport. I didn't even know about the sport of football. I had never heard of it. I had never seen it. I had never even talked about it or anything. In 2000, 2001, we, my parents uh, decided to make the move to, to Kansas City, an uh, uh, unknown city in the middle of, <laughs> of a country I had no idea about. Obviously, uh, I, with family living in El Paso, obviously I've visited <clears throat> the U.S. before, and, and, and I knew, but I mean, still like you were in Mexico because everybody around was speaking Spanish, speaking your language. So, so I was accustomed to it. So when we got here, it, it was it was different. It was different because everything here was English first, you know, and, and you know, trying to find something to, to, to get that joy or something, that, that feeling that, that I got in Mexico of watching sports and stuff like that. It was harder for me to to keep track of of, of soccer in Mexico because I don't know if you remember AOL back in the day. So mm-hmm. we we couldn't get those uh, soccer channels like we we used to in Mexico. So I had to had to figure something out and and kind of adapt something new. Uh, and, and it went like this for about three three years three four years uh, until two thousand five when my when my dad. <clears throat> I knew who the Chiefs were. Uh, I knew football. I was starting to get fam- like familiar with football. I-, I started getting to know the team a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't until my dad in two- 2005, he had won two tickets, I believe, to uh, to a Chiefs game in December. Uh, and it was against uh, San Diego Chargers when they were San Diego. And I-, I believe it was Christmas Eve. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. But, but I know it was in December. It was a really cold day. It was ice. It, it was snowing. Uh, cold, cold as day. And, and, and since that day, from that day on, I, I, I felt what it was to be a Chiefs fan. Mm-hmm. I, I became a Chiefs fan that day. And, and from that day on, the pain that I've that I've realized of of like lifelong Chiefs fans, like <laughs> like good old Shaggy Shane, yourself, your brother. Mm-hmm. Since yeah, I've been been with this team since the nineties, eighties. I want to say for Shaggy, I don't know how old he is, but I want to say eighties. <laughs> back in the fifties, he's, yeah, he's an OG. He's an OG. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Knowing the history, <clears throat> learning the history, knowing the playoff history, you know, like just learning everything about the Chiefs. Just you know, like I started feeling it as well. Obviously, I didn't live through it. I, like I, I can't say I experienced it because I never did. Um. I want to say, like, I think my first heartbreak as a Chiefs fan was, uh, as a as a true Chiefs fan, was uh, the Colts game, the playoff game, mm. when we were up by like thirty points. I can't remember thirty eight to ten. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. 20, that was twenty fourteen. <clears throat> you definitely endured some. That was a big one. So <clears throat> that was the the like my first first honestly my first heartbreak as a true Chiefs fan. Yeah, and it felt horrible. Mm. And like I said, knowing the history that that you guys been through and all that stuff, like I like I was like, holy crap! Imagine enduring all that throughout that whole time. It's just painful. But but as a, as the time went on, you know, Andy Reid came along. Alex Smith, obviously, he wasn't great, but he was good enough. So I had a little bit of hope for the cheese, you know. It was like, so it, I, I started seeing a little bit of a scent. I was like, okay, here we go, here we go, yeah. here we go. 
And I guess that's when the the whole the whole thing about yeah we'll get a next year we'll get a next year came along with <laughs> with the whole Alex Smith because we're always that close to mm-hmm. getting it and, and to to finally last year me and Lance went to an AFC Championship game for the first time at Arrowhead Stadium it was amazing but but the heartbreak was like I've never felt before in my life yeah uh, and then this year to to go back back to back. AFC Championship, get to host the game. I obviously didn't get to go because uh, tickets were outrageous yeah. to begin with, mm-hmm. and then I got sick. But just watching the game, the feeling, the emotions that I went through, and, and at the end to finally pretty much release everything, it was like unbel- it was an unbelievable feeling. As a soccer fan, yes, I felt this before with the Mexico national team and, and, and with my home, uh, with the team I root for in Mexico. I felt that, like, because we've reached finals, we've lost finals, we've won finals. Mm. So, but it was it was different this time. It, it was it was super special, something beautiful, something I, I've been looking forward to, and I just can't wait for next Sunday to get here. Absolutely, yeah. man. And that's that's the cool thing is that you know there's stories like yours, Eddie, that you know you've been a fan for 20 years now, almost 20 years now, Trevor and I since the day we were born. Uh, people that maybe just now become familiar with it over the last couple of years, maybe they, it just sparked them just because they started like Patrick Mahomes. Whatever, whatever the story is, we all have ours, and yep. it's it's that's what makes all this just so much more special to us. Is because I mean, I think we all would agree that it would be better if you know the Chiefs had a more you know of an established history of success where they've won a few Super Bowls over the last 15, 20 yeah. years. That'd be great. But that's not our story. Yeah. So what we do is we we plenty of regular season success. Yeah, we we embrace this success. We take this and we realize, man, this is something we've all just been waiting and clamoring for for so damn long. And and I mean it when I say that I was really at the point, and I I, I hate admitting this, but it is the truth, and I have to be genuine and be truthful to who I am and what I was as a fan. After that sixth season with Alex Smith, or I'm sorry, the fifth season mm-hmm. going into 2017, I said. I, I really, and I think we talked about this, Eddie, as well back then. And I obviously Trevor and I talked about it plenty. I, I, I cannot take any more of this. And it's not just Alex Smith, it's what he represented. Right. And I, it's because of the fact that I knew, because if you, even if you go back to Andy Reid's early years in, in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia, in 1999, his first ever draft pick was Donovan McNabb. And that was a franchise quarterback. And what do you know? They went to four straight NFC title games mm-hmm. and a Super Bowl. And it was one that damn game with Terrell Owens having one ga- one good leg. And I thought about it. I'm like, why are we going the route against what, what Andy Reid's greatest success to that point was with a franchise quarterback he drafted in the first round. And they finally took that risk. And it's just so poetic to me that the Chiefs not only went and finally got their guy, but they got maybe the greatest quarterback we've ever seen play the position. Mm-hmm. It's just It's like a story written for us. And I'm not I'm not one of those guys that advocates or suggests that destiny is a real thing. If that's your belief, totally fine with me. Personally, I don't really see that. But my God, Patrick Mahomes makes one hell of a case for it being real because of the fact that, like I said, I don't believe, and obviously I'm a fan, so I'm gonna sound a little biased here. I don't believe it could have happened to a better fan base that he came here to Kansas City and being the guy that he is, not just the player, but the guy that he is. Mm-hmm. Heard stories uh, earlier this morning on 610, his uh, high school football coach came on and talked about how Patrick Mahomes, as a teenager, taught him how to give game balls to players. He never did that before. And then one game, Patrick Mahomes, after they won, gave the game ball to the coach. And coach was like, I, 
I'm not familiar with this. You know, this is this is some young kid giving me this out there. He goes, there was times where I wanted to get out there and motivate the guys. Patty's already out there doing it. Already out there talking to the dudes, getting them ready, and getting them geared up. He goes, "This was this was a born leader." Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of that behind, behind the scenes the more this more this games. year than, than ever. Yes. We've yes. been seeing his Mahomes be very very vocal. And, and these right. last two games, we've had, yeah. we've seen a Patrick Mahomes become a, like a true leader. Like we've seen it, involved it, in the playoffs, like, exactly. Like this year, I think the the playoffs hit him differently. Uh, I, I think what he said last year, like he he meant it, oh, yeah. and he took it personal. You know what I mean? Nasty taste and, in his mouth, and, and man. this year yeah. is like, you know what? I'm gonna make this playoffs my bitch. Yeah, and that's, that's why exact, I think the, the, that's the, exactly what he's doing. The slogan yeah. for him this this postseason is "Over my dead body," and that's how he's been playing. That's why Therese, Therese nailed yep, it on the head by Therese for sure. Therese that was a great nailed saying, it on the head, bro. Over my dead body, because and see, that's the beautiful thing about Patrick Mahomes is because of the fact that he embodies that and it's contagious because we've yeah. never had that in Kansas City. We've never had a leader where it's like and, – and, and, and it reflects also from the Tyron Matthews side on the defensive side and Frank Clark and Chris Jones these, and Terrell Suggs. These guys have that same mindset, and we've never had that in Kansas City. Back in the 90s, we had defenses like that. But we had to suffer through Steve Bono and these other quarterbacks that just clearly Elvis well, Gerbach were just not good enough. Joe Montana was too old. Like well, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even just the guys on the field. It was just that we always, as Chiefs fans, felt that there was a, there was a leash and a, and a short leash given by the coaches. We felt like the coaches always ran the show too much. But now we have a quarterback that can go out there and be the guy and take take everything into his hands without the coach having to have a, a tight leash on him and go out there and win a game. And that's what it feels like for like Green Bay fans with like Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre over these years. You know, guys that can go out there and single-handedly win you, win you a game and take over for you. We haven't had that before. As of recently, like, I, I'm not going to take credit for it, but I did oh. I did, I did, did comment about it. I, I said if, if Andy Reid wants to be a true leader, a true coach, he can't be sitting down next to Pat while the defense is on. What has he done recently? He's been there next to Spagnuolo watching yeah. the defense Yeah, that's play. a good point. Well, yeah, and he's been having – and it's been looking like on the sidelines where – uh, the enemy has been a lot more involved in the offensive play yes. calling and and and, 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 and more and and Andy Reid's ear a lot more aggressively over yeah, the postseason with that twenty four zero. And I love uh, it. I I pointed it out like the enemy's making this fucking calls because he was the well, like when we went for it on the fourth down last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And that was, like, that was the enemy's the enemy, making bro. this fucking calls. Right. Like yeah. there's no way Andy Reid's making these calls. And we it was they, a huge they, catch they, by they, Kelsey. They there. did the the camera shot towards them, and yeah. we saw Eric the enemy making the calls. Right. And. I don't know if it's Andy Reid trying to prove a point to the NFL, or I don't know if it's probably a mixture of all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's just you know because Andy Reid realized it's like I can't do this by myself. You can you can make that point. I also think that in that in that conversation, I think that also there's more of an emphasis on watching closely when it comes to the playoffs. So more people are paying attention to what's going on in the sidelines as opposed to a regular Sunday. I, gotcha. I do I do think Eric Manning's been calling plays for quite some time. I do think that he's also the weak leading into type of prep guy also. I think he's more of that guy. I think Andy Reid has the final say on what is called. But I do agree with you. I did notice that myself. I'm like, man, Andy's really giving him the reins. It's because Eric Benham is worth worthy. He's yeah. he's capable he's, of doing it. He's proven yeah, it. Exactly. Like, he's, yeah. He has not given us any reason to doubt him. Right. And this team hasn't given us any reason to doubt him either. I mean, it's, it's, it's so crazy how we go from – and like you heard at the beginning of this episode, since week 10, the Chiefs have kept, continued – a path that I mean, I think we all were expecting coming into the season. This is how they were going to play. Mm. Like we all expected, like this was going to happen. But I don't think we expected to happen the way it did. If that makes sense, because nice like I, wins. like we broke down. It's it's a season that started off so weird, and you almost felt like, oh my god, they're really not going to be able to do this. Patrick Mahomes is banged up. Tyree yeah. Kill's whole situation. Eric defense Fisher. is playing like shit. Eric Fisher. Yeah. And then what do you know? 
Yeah. The, the, now we're looking at this situation. We're looking at the Chiefs being a favorite in the Super Bowl. It's a resiliency we're not used to. It's a re- you know, it's, it's, it's the ability. Favorite? It's the ability for this team and these players. The the mentality to bounce back, to take punches and bounce back is way too many times over the years. We've seen too many teams of our Chiefs teams take hits and then cower down and get into the fetal position, and then the, we all know the season's over. Yeah, absolutely. So we're and, not used and, to that. And I'm just and the reason I wanted to focus to start the show off and talking about our experiences because I don't think. Although fans, if you go to any tailgate at Arrowhead, you'll hear people talk about the you know the days of them growing up as Chiefs fans. You go to any tailgate, you'll yep. hear that stuff. Yep. But I don't feel like that gets talked about enough on air. And I really wanted that to be the, the, the beginning, the origin of this episode because I wanted everybody that listens – to know that this is something that is a part of our lives, whether it's been Eddie for a couple, for a decade and a half or for Trevor and I 30 years. Mm. Regardless, whatever it is, we have our stories. And honestly, if you're listening to this and you're a part of our uh, – if you're on our – if you follow us on Twitter, if you're a part of our uh, Facebook group, man, share your story. I would love to hear what you guys have. Like what – whether you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s and you're listening to this or you're 15 to 25, it doesn't matter. We'd love to hear your story because you're a part of this family too. We would love to hear your stories because they're just as important and we are all celebrating this together. This is an exciting time, man. And like I said in my opening monologue, this is the best time to be alive as a Chiefs fan. I truly mean that, no man, doubt. because we have never experienced this before. Trevor's point, we're probably going to keep experiencing this experiencing yeah. this for quite a while, but that doesn't take away from the fact that this is some uh, this is a special time for us to savor and relish and that's why Unfortunately, for anybody that wanted to talk Super Bowl tonight, we're got, we're not doing that in this episode because we have got, another Friday before the episode, before the Super yeah. Bowl starts. We're going to break down the Super Bowl. Believe me when I say we're going to uh, talk plenty of Super Bowl next Friday. Plus, we want to let the shit talk keep piling up. That's cool. Me too. Great, Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to we're going to keep talking tonight. We're going to actually uh, we're going to move on. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to talk about Andy Reid a little bit more because I feel like although we've been equally critical on him, we need to give him equal praise. Because he's doing something in Kansas City we've never seen or we have not seen a coach do in almost well over 50 years now. And I want to I want to give some praise to Andy and I want to talk about him as a coach in general. We'll get back to that after this. Visit Local Foundry in downtown Lee Summit, Eastern Jackson County's biggest selection of local made and inspired goods. They carry apparel, jewelry, prints, decor, and more. The store is also filled with various vintage finds. Come and see us on Market Street. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. So if you uh, missed the first segment, I highly recommend you rewind just a few minutes or 25 minutes or so. And uh, here are stories about what we experienced as Chiefs fans all the way up to the AFC Championship and seeing uh, Clark Hunt and his mom and the entire Chiefs team out there celebrating in the middle of the field as the confetti falls and just seeing all their faces and just seeing the relief on the the Hunt family and seeing Andy Reid up there and leading the fans out there, the 70,000-plus fans out there saying, how about those Chiefs, man? Just, just the feeling of that and how amazing that was for all of us in our own personal ways and our own personal experiences. And I definitely, like I said, and I, I, I left it off um, after the, at the end of that segment. If you have your own story and you'd love to share it, man, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook. Give us your story, man. We'd love to hear it. We It would mean a lot to us as well because it, it, it always just warms my heart to hear that people I've never met personally has the same have the same love for the same team. It's just it's that's a really, really unique thing, man. We need to we need to cherish that for sure. But I want to talk about our coach for a second. Um I've always been a I will just come out and say it. I've been such a big fan of Andy Reid. Trevor's been a big fan of Andy, of Andy Reid even back in his Philly days. We yeah. liked him a lot. Absolutely. Um he, he, and it's hard not to like Andy Reid quite frankly. He's such a humble guy 
Everybody in the league loves him. You've never heard a negative thing about Andy Reid in the 25-plus years he's been in the NFL. Um, it, it just ever from Brett Favre to all the coaching, the coaches that have worked under him, to the coaches he's worked with, to the current players, they all respect the hell out of this guy. And it's because of the fact that he is such a consistent person first mm-hmm. and then coach. There's this steadiness. There's a steadiness about who he is. There's a calming presence about Andy Reid, but he also knows when to rile you up and he knows when the buttons to push. But I will admit, in my personal fanhood of the Chiefs since 2013. I've had a lot of strong opinions on Andy Reid on both sides. And admittedly, when they signed Alex Smith and they did not take a quarterback in the first round, I was not I was pissed. I was very upset because I already knew who Alex Smith was, and I didn't believe in him. And I did not think we were ever going to get anywhere further than where we've been over the last 30-plus seasons. And that was the truth. That's exactly how it all played out. And I gave a lot of that I, I blew a lot of that. I put a lot of that on Andy Reid because of the fact that I knew that once he got here, he was going to run things. Clark Hunt was trusting him with this franchise. You make things happen. We racked up a ton of victories. The worst season the Chiefs have ever had under Andy Reid is nine and seven. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But we've all know like we just got in talking about the history of, of you know the Chiefs and how many years we've all watched. That's all we've gotten. We're damn good in the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, it's the same song and dance every single time. And I was beginning to grow this fear that Andy Reid was only going to contribute to the, the 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 previous history and just add to it, just contribute more of the same. And I was upset because I felt like he was the real change that could really come to Kansas City, make real change. Scott Pioli came from New England. We're thinking, oh, okay, maybe he could bring that over. And maybe Matt Castle can become something good. But, of course, Todd Haley and Scott Pioli can't get along. He's playing Tyler Palco when, when Matt Castle's injured. And then Brady Quinn's playing, and it's just madness. Andy Reid brought a, a Super Bowl presence to Kansas City, something to actually believe in. And when you get Patrick Mahomes here, you start to see just this unleashing of greatness under the fortitude of – or the tutelage, I'm sorry, of Andy Reid. And even during this season, I've been one that has, has criticized him to the point where I said – I think it was a Monday mailbag question we had a few weeks ago, or six, seven weeks ago. Somebody had asked us if Andy Reid doesn't get to the Super Bowl, should he be fired? Now, I went ahead and said, I can't speak for you guys, but I went ahead and said, I don't think there's any chance in hell Andy Reid's getting fired. But if we can't even get back to the AFC Championship, I don't want him to be the the coach of the Chiefs anymore because we have seven seasons now of Andy Reid, and it's year two of Patrick Mahomes, and you still can't get the job done? Like, I I, I can't buy into it anymore. Mm -hmm. But now that we are where we're at, and Andy Reid has led the Chiefs to the Super Bowl for the first time in five decades— I will be the first one to say it because I haven't heard anybody else on the radio, so I would give credit to them if they said it first. But I'm going to say it first. We need to let down our walls and our trust issues with Andy Reid. It is officially time to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, Lance, you're going to say that. Now we're in the Super Bowl. That's exactly my point, though, is that Andy Reid has finally gotten us over that hump. And that's really all I've asked. Now, the best thing I and the the thing I love the most about Andy Reid said on the platform the other day after they won the AFC Championship – First thing he said, we're not done. Mm-hmm. That's what I love to hear. All the players said, we're going to get this one for Andy. That's true leadership. Let's win this one. Yes, yep. that is leadership. He got the fans got involved. one goal in mind. That's when I Travis realized. Travis Kelsey was even crying. Yes, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Everybody like, was crying. Everybody. Like Williams, everybody. No, but I'm saying Travis Kelsey leading to that game to the in the press conference, he was crying because right. he wanted to give Andy that ring. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're that's not what, done yet. We're not done, man. And yeah. that's the, that, that, that echoes the respect level that people have for him. But what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to get across, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this as well, because I know no matter what happens from here on out, let's say the 
Chiefs win the Super Bowl and then win next year's. There's going to be a clock management mishap that Andy's going to have, and we're all going to be like, oh, fucking Andy, here we go. This is what he does. We need to start putting away our trust issues because of the fact, like I said, he has put us in a position when none of us, none of us that are alive right now, maybe you're really, really young, and you can kind of remember as a toddler when the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, but none of us in the modern era can remember a time when this this has actually taken place, and it has everything to do with Andy Reid. Because I did also say, you guys remember I said this. I said, when the blame comes around, who's going to ultimately fall on? Andy Reid. Yeah. Because Patrick's the guy he drafted. Brett Veach is the GM he brought in. Steve Spagnuolo is his defensive coordinator. Everything comes back to Andy Reid. So with the criticism comes the praise. And I'm giving Andy Reid all the praise that he deserves because of the fact that it, it comes down to what he did and who he chose to put around him, and it has worked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to start off my my words here by saying, by giving him praise, not not even really about his coaching prowess, um, more about his 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 ability to develop human beings and his patience, because as you just said, how how we he put his faith and he he chose single handedly handpicked. Uh, Alex Smith to be our guy for those few years, those few seasons, and we we were successful. We 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 got to the playoffs. We were a good team every year, really. Um, we were even a good team when we had no receiving touchdowns from for any wide receivers in an actual whole season. That actually happened. Um, I just I, I have nothing but respect. Like you said, we we've we've me and you both have been fans. He was actually funny enough. Andy Reid's always been my favorite coach in the NFL. Always, even that's why I was semi kind of a under under the cover fan of the Eagles because I, I actually liked it. I've been mean, as well. Um, and obviously the T.O. season. I love T.O. That was a fun year. I've always loved Andy Reid. He's always been a winner. Um, so when we obviously when 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 our our uh, when uh, the Hunt family, when Clark went out there and, and, and made sure he got Andy Reid, I was beyond stoked because well, I'm not, I'll come back to what I said about his patience. He could have been the coach that came in here and immediately drafted a quarterback in the first round just for the hell of it. You know, we saw that with, with the bears when Nagy went there and, and felt he needed to go get a guy and he chose Mitchell Trubisky. You know, we could have been that team that drafted him and stuck with a guy for a few years because he was a first round pick, top three pick, whatever happened. Um, but Andy Reid went and got it, you know, I got a, a, a retread, you know, nonetheless, a retread semi, you know, mediocre quarterback that would get us wins. That would be a safe player to get us by because I do believe Andy Reid had a plan. I do believe Andy Reid wanted to come here and start a dynasty, start, you know, find a guy that he can draft. I think that was his plan all along. And I think, and we've, we've heard the reports about how even Veach has been following Mahomes since his high school days. I think Mahomes has been in the plans for a while. I think that's been a thing um, that Andy Reid has been waiting to kind of be patient. Like I said, go back to my patient statement about him being patient and waiting for the guy that he feels is the guy and this year makes everything worth it. This year makes all the pain that we've endured, you know, all the letdowns in the playoffs with, with Alex Smith, um, you know, the, the boring uh, check down game management games we've had to endure with Alex Smith, the, the, the frustrations um, makes it all worth it now that we know what, we're, what we have on our team now, the leader that we have in our team now, the young best player in the league that is on our team because Andy Reid, Andy Reid's patience and ability to take the criticism that he's been dealing with for, you know, especially from us dealing, we know with the Alex Smith days and uh, like, but like you said, we've always been a winning franchise since he's been here. Uh, you know, we missed the playoff once. Um, like you said, the most games we, we lost 
or most the, the the worst season we had was nine wins. You know, not a lot of teams can say that, especially over a five six year span. Um, but as far as Andy Reid as a person, I mean, I don't know if you can find a better personable coach, and I think any player, or any like, I don't know if you heard the the Ron Rivera um, interview on Six Ten Sports the other day. Yep. It was it was incredible, it was, man. Yeah, it was today. I thought. I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Okay. Yeah, it was yesterday. It, it, Ron Rivera is just so candid about his experience and like how, and everyone's like that when they talk about it. like you see when anybody talks about Andy Reid, they like they light up. Whether it's players or ex coaches, everyone credits him. And that's why, like you said, this, I'm not a believer in fate or destiny either, but like this, like you feel like everyone is rooting off for us. Everyone wants Andy Reid to have this so bad. And it's like, it's to the point where it does, there's like a thickness to it. And you can feel the magic in the air, uh, even compared to like the, just the way we've got here the, the, with the over with the deficits, the deficits we've had overcome in both playoff games. Um, but yeah, Andy Reid, man, I love the guy to death. He's he's a winner, and I I do believe this is the beginning of something special. I do believe this is going to going to extend his career, and I can't I will, I will forever be grateful to him for bringing the greatest quarterback of all time to Kansas City. Man, uh, <clears throat> there's not much to add to, to what you guys you guys pretty much said everything about Andy Reid. Ever since Andy Reid came to the to this city, it, it, it's been nothing but great, other than the like. Those playoff games that you know the the heartbreak and, mm. and stuff like that, but like you said, Lance, uh, for him to have this worst season at nine and seven, it's crazy. Especially when he came his first season, he he took a two and fourteen team to I believe ten wins, eleven, yeah, eleven wins. That's a, a that's the highest. A, that's the biggest yeah, win total yeah. swing from one season to the next in yep. NFL history. That, that, that's insane. Yeah, his impact, man, right away. Yes. Uh, like uh, Trevor said about the locker room, like you can feel the guys, like you know, like are emotionally attached. Yeah. To they like he's a father. Yeah, he's like a him, true yeah. father. He's a, he's a true father figure. Right. Not every coach is like that. Actually, very few. What 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 hit me the most was Travis Kelsey in that press conference where he started crying, yep. talking about how he wants to give Andy Reid that ring. Nobody talks about I want that ring. I want that ring. I want that ring. Everybody talks about and I'm getting Andy Reid his ring. Right. Like. A lot of people, a lot of people talk about talk about rings and stuff like that. Uh, and I've heard a lot of conversations about is the Super Bowl the only thing keeping Andy Reid from the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. I, I, I think his track record has shown that, like coming from from Philadelphia, having a successful franchise, mm-hmm. coming to Kansas City, making another uh, successful franchise, that should tell you that this guy is the real deal. Just because he doesn't have the Super Bowls to to show off. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's not great, right? So he he's great in his own self. Like he's like what the third coach or fourth coach to have two hundred plus wins. Yeah. yeah, the Super Bowl would just be the so, cherry on top. Exactly. Yeah. The, the the Super Bowl would just pretty much walk him in. Yeah, to the Hall of Fame. But but I think he's still Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, and even, let's, even even if he even even if he doesn't win his Super Bowl, right? He, I think he's still Hall of Fame worthy. I I mean, you can, you can come at me at whatever you want to say, but. But I honestly think he's a Hall of Famer, yeah. Super Bowl, no Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I agree. He's the Dan Marino coach yeah, it's, it's, for sure. So I mean, I mean, he, him being the big role model, and, and the way this season has went, like mm-hmm. dealing with injuries and you know the whole Tyreek situation, having to draft somebody to replace Tyreek, yeah. like the way he kept his team like in that in that uh, the gold mindset, like. Yeah. Keeping them believing, yeah. Keeping them believing. All his patience, man, to exactly. endure the shit talk that he's been endured with the Alex Smith yes, stuff, especially from guys like us, like I yeah. said. And then and, and his his patience to have Mahomes sit his first season, 
Because a lot of coaches coming in with guys with raw talent like that would immediately be like, dude, let's get him in let's here. Get, yeah, Alex exactly. Smith's pissing me off. Exactly. I can't stand these five-yard checkdowns left and right. He's getting scared. Yeah. Put the kid in there. And, a lot of coaches would would would, be, would do that. Oh, it's yes. like Lamar Jackson last year. Yeah. You know, it's similar to that. Like, and, they, and, they bailed on Flacco. Yeah. This year, th- th- this year has has shown me a lot a, a, a lot of how Andy Reid is changing with the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a lot of – like – that's the biggest issue with soccer and, and like their head coaches or their managers, whatever you want to call it in, in, in soccer. They keep their their same style of game. And obviously the game progresses as different talent comes in. Mm-hmm. And these managers do not want to change their, their style, the way they play. And you can tell right away that it's it's going outdated. Yeah. And they have well, he uses college film from each player and quarterback exactly, that he's had. Yes. Right. And so this, and this year, like you can tell that he learned from last year uh, how Trevor's been saying it since week one, how he's been hiding these plays for the players. Just holding back the aggressiveness. Yes. Yeah. And you've seen in the, this past two games that that he's just letting yeah, them balls lose. To the wall. You know, like yeah. like he. He lets Tyron Matthew be free out there. Like right. he, he's letting him do whatever he wants. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he he's like he has his lead on that side, and then he lets Patrick Mahomes pretty much call the shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you see Eric Bieniemy and probably Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Excuse me, Eric Bieniemy and Mahomes are having those conversations together. Yeah. It's like, oh shit! Like I see a blitz. Let you know. Yeah. Or, you know they're calling different plays. Go the audible yeah. and do do all this shit. So they're letting Patrick Mahomes out there be free. It, and these past two games, you've you've seen that you've seen how Patrick Mahomes has gone outside the pocket and make those plays that are not even there. Yeah, and, and so it, it just tells you how Andy Reid is is adjusting to the to this new thing. Like the, we've been critiquing his time management and, and like season like each season. And, and this past two games, I think he's done a really good job with clock management. Mm-hmm. I believe the was it the in the third quarter they did a nine minute drive. It's fucking crazy, for yeah. the, especially for the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, we beat the, the Titans. Team. That's what the Titans did. We exactly. beat the Titans in their game. Yeah. We beat the nine-minute drive for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, yeah. it's from Andy Reid's era, like, when have you heard of a nine-minute drive? Ending a touchdown. And, yeah, ending right. that touchdown. Yep. Like, it, it's it's insane, and you can see him. He's starting to progress. He's starting to, to, to make those changes. Like, he felt – I think last, last year's games, last year's AFC Championship game really – affected him and he was like you know what it's time to to make those changes because yeah. i don't think he wanted to adjust right and, and i think dealing with the last year's laws and, and having patrick mahomes travis kelsey and and all these guys bringing in tyron matthew terrell suggs and chris jones having this much talent he's like i'm not gonna let this go to waste yeah and, and let's so he started you know let's be real let, 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 i don't see here's the thing i don't want people to think that i'm saying Let's not be critical at all if he makes mistakes in the future because I do believe that Andy Reid's going to be the coach of this Chiefs for Chiefs team for several more years. Yeah. I definitely see him coaching into his late 60s, possibly even early 70s, depending for, on for how sure. his health is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to say that I'm never going to be critical of him, nor should we be critical because it is, it is a year-to-year sport. Things change, um, and frustrations will arise. There will be rough patches. We had them plenty this year, mm-hmm. right? And this is a Super Bowl year. Um, I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is I want everybody to get of the mindset that, you know what, he now deserves the benefit of the doubt because of what he's doing that's unprecedented in our lifetime. And that's that's right. That's where I leave it. I'm not saying you got to, you know, just, nope, nope, not going to say anything negative. I know he just totally blew that right there. Nope, no. I'm no. saying just put it under context, put it in the right context that, yes, I'm not happy with Andy Reid right now. He made a terrible decision right now. 
but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because of what he's done for us in this city yeah. over the last seven years, and I'm good with that. And the biggest thing that we haven't even touched on with Andy Reid that I want to give him a ton of credit for, we talk about overcoming things, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about how you know the Tyreek Hill situation happened this offseason. Patrick Mahomes' right. injury, Tyreek Hill's injury, Eric Fisher's injury, uh, Chris Jones' injury. Like, just go down the list of all the star players this team's pretty much had. Yeah. They've all almost had injury. Right. Frank Clark right. was injured for six, seven weeks, right? <laughs> Nothing, none of that, and I mean none of that, even comes close to losing a child. Hmm. And losing his son like he did it a few years back, or several years ago, I should say, To be able to not miss a beat and not take even a season off and continue doing what you're doing and still being so great at it, even though you lost one of your own, I can't even imagine what that's like. I don't want to imagine what that's like. Mm. I I, I don't. That that is, to me, the biggest nightmare a human being could ever go through. And for Andy Reid to still do what he does at such a high level, getting over that, because I can't imagine the type of – sad thoughts and feelings you go through. And I'm not trying to tap into his personal life. I'm just saying it's a part of who he is. It's a, He's a coach, but he's also a human being. And to be able to still lead men the way he does and to be able to do the things he does as a head coach and keep his mind so sharp at his age and what he's been through. Right. I have nothing, and I mean nothing, but profound respect for someone who can overcome things like that because I've, I've gone through things like Trevor and I talked about in the first segment. We lost our grandpa, and it was very, very tough. And I'm not trying to rank losses here, but what I am saying is it's been tough for me sometimes to get over things because of losses like that. So I have nothing but respect for people that continue to be elite at what they do and overcome those types of obstacles because most people, that will crush them, Mm. and that would end them. And he's done things, even despite the criticisms in Kansas City of dipshit radio hosts talking about him losing his son, and that somehow shows a lack of leadership or a Mm. lack of control. To me, it's the contrary. Because you're able to still maintain that type of presence and reverence and despite those things. So in totality, I, I think that we we have by far been uh, one of the luckiest franchises in the entire NFL. Because there's other great coaches out there. But like Trevor said, not many of them are father figures to their, teammate, their, their teams, to their rosters, to their players. A lot of those players obviously respect their coaches, but they don't have that type of relationship with them. And I think that bodes well for a lot of teams. I think that the Chiefs have definitely come up short and they've choked in the playoffs, and Andy Reid deserves a lot of criticism for it. Should have never lost that game in Indianapolis. Should have never lost that game to the Steelers. Should have never, should have, sure, shit, should have never lost that game to the Titans. Right. But those losses happened. And Andy continued to push forward. They got us, they got us a Patty Mahomes. It's and now all, we're in the fucking Super Bowl. It's all worth it, man. And so I would go through all of that again if that meant we're in, we're right where we're at, he's, right this very moment. He's yeah. three and one since uh, since drafting Mahomes. Damn right he is. You're damn right he is. And it goes full too. circle of what I said. When you draft your guy, well, you know, everybody thought I would just be in this redu- re- you know, ridiculous over the top guy on Twitter about draft the quarterback, but develop see, him. Yeah. Here we are. But see, that's what I'm saying. That's why that's why I, I my my main thing was his patience. Because he waited until he felt in his loins that he had his guy. And I believe that's what Mahomes was. Yeah. You know, the whole cool story about when Mahomes was uh, came for his visit and he walked and uh, he walked past, I think it was Veach's office in the window and he gave him a little thumbs up. Veach, that was the only quarterback he gave him a thumbs up for like that. And it's just, I, I think this is just, like I said, it's it's not, I don't believe in fate, but like this is the closest thing to making me a believer. Yeah. Life, well, <laughs> life definitely op- opens opportunities for people and some just refuse to take it and others yeah. knock that, sh- that, that door down. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're going to actually continue a conversation on the other side of this break. Patrick Mahomes is going to get paid this offseason. I don't know how much, but it's going to be a ton. And there are a lot of people out there that are making this or jumping on the narrative that, 
the Chiefs are going to be broke once they have to pay Patrick Holmes. We're going to debunk that for you guys and put you at ease. And I'm letting you guys know that even when, and I say when, Patrick Mahomes makes that historic amount of money in that next contract, the Chiefs can and will still build a dynasty-worthy team around him. We'll get back to all that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at CommandeerBrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. So we've covered uh, the AFC Championship recap and how much it meant to us leading into that game, the, the, the reflection of our lives as Chiefs fans and just how much it meant to us. And we talked about Andy Reid in the last segment. And just how much you know credit he deserves for what he's done here in Kansas City, and how we need to trust our tr- we need to trust uh, drop our trust issues with him. And I definitely speak for myself when I say that. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the guy we all love very much. So, and I don't think there's ever really been a lot of criticism that comes his way, especially from Chiefs fans. And um, that's one Patrick Mahomes. Now we are in the midst of a, of a great run still, so I don't want to get too far ahead of things. But we can't help but acknowledge it because of the fact that national media, local media has been talking about this nonstop, and it continues to come up even more so now with the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl. Is uh, Patrick Mahomes' uh, inevitable contract that he will be getting, and I mean he will be getting this offseason. It's been confirmed by Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. All the big-time guys have already been told that they, the Chiefs are already working on this deal. And quite frankly, in my personal opinion, if I can just be real with everybody here, I think it's already done. I think they already have the numbers placed out, and I think they're going to have it announced after the season, probably around middle of March, you know, when free agency and all that stuff really starts to take I shape. Think, I think the, the first day of free agency. I think it's going to be announced very yeah. soon. I, I mean, you can make the debate on when, like when it's going to happen because Deshaun say. Watson right, and Dak right. Prescott, all them have to get their money. So, so Patty's probably going to probably sit back a little bit, but I do think everyone is going to be waiting for him. Because he's the one that's really going to oh, yeah. reset the market here. Um, I definitely do believe it's going to be north of $200 million. Uh, I definitely think, like I said, it's going to absolutely shatter the highest paid contracts as it currently stands. Oh, yeah. And that is deservingly so. And we can break down why. But we're not going to do that here. What I want to focus on and, and tackle a little bit is, is this fear that for some reason continues to grow in Kansas City when it comes to Chiefs fans. Not because they think they can't get Patrick Mahomes or they can't keep him and pay him long-term, because they obviously can, and they obviously will. It's this idea that when the Chiefs do pay him that money, that the Chiefs are no longer going to be this good team, and it's just going to be Patrick Mahomes, a bunch of role players, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this straight for all the fans, and I'm going to start with this, okay? Let's go to SpotTrack real quick. SpotTrack.com. It, it, and this is act that you're. This is accessible to everybody out there. This isn't some little fancy thing I have. It's called the internet. You can literally look this up yourself. Free source. SpotTrack.com shows us the 2020 free agents that the Chiefs are going to have coming into this next offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to list a few of them because they have a ton of them. But I'm going to list a few names, and you guys stop me when you hear a name that the Chiefs can't win without. Okay. So we're going to go with uh, Terrell Suggs. Ah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Terrell, Terrell Suggs, Lashawn McCoy. Darren Lee, Xavier Williams, Jordan Lucas, Maurice Claiborne, Brashad Breeland, Emmanuel Ogba, Reggie Raglan, Anthony Sherman, Steven, St- Steven Wisniewski, Blake Bell, Keith Reeser, Mike Pinnell, Spencer Ware, Kendall Fuller, Demarcus Robinson, Marcus Kemp, Andrew Wiley, Dion Yelder, David Wells, 
and then Chris Jones. Saved him for last because I didn't want you guys to interrupt yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. But if you, I just named off about 16, 17 players, right? How many of those guys besides Chris Jones? All replaceable guys. All replaceable guys. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I'm bringing this up to you fans right now is it currently stands. All the free agents this team is going to have to either they want to pay and right. extend him. They're all cheap. They're way. all cheap guys, right. and they're all guys you can place in the draft or in free agency with other players that may even be better than them. We all know Sugg is going to be gone. I mean, he's, yes. if he wins his ring this year, he's riding out on the sunset. It's right. Perfect. He's not going to be with the Chiefs next year anyway. Right, so, right, right. It, so the point remains is that I, I really just – I didn't want to make this like a short segment or anything, and I'm not trying to make this anticlimactic. No, no, yeah. It's trying to simplify it for right, Chiefs right. fans out there that it is really just that simple. Tyreek Hill just signed a contract in the offseason. He'll be here for at least years. another three more seasons. Yep. At least another three more seasons. Frank Clark is going nowhere. He's got three years of guaranteed money. Travis Kelsey already made it clear he wants to be here for his rest of his career. And his contract runs through 2021. Right. Then you have Tyron Matthew who signed a three-year deal as well. So he's going nowhere for three more years. All the core pieces on this team are not going anywhere. So when we talk about when Patrick Mahomes gets his money – that this team is going to go into the tank. It's just not true, guys, because all the pieces you're building around are going to be here for several more seasons, and the only guy on that list that we have to worry about is Chris Jones, and that's going to be an ongoing conversation like we've been having all offseason leading into this season. And Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride and several other guys have come on the show and said that they do believe that the Chiefs do want him, but if they don't get him back, we would like to believe that the Chiefs can figure out a way to consolidate around that position of need because let's be real here for a second. Most Super Bowl winning teams or constant, consistent contenders mm-hmm. aren't built around their defensive line. Now, it's better to have a good defensive line and a great defensive That's line. That's good for like a one-two year run. Maybe. Right. right. But the point remains is that you're not sitting here going, you know what? I don't think the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl now because they don't have an elite defensive lineman. And there is a fact that we have to go off of as well. That not many, if any, teams out there that are good teams are paying two defensive linemen over $100 million. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs already have one in Frank Clark. So we can debate as to whether the Chiefs should pay Chris Jones or they should, you know, they should keep him long term. I'm on that, I'm in that camp. I think the Chiefs should. Mm-hmm. I think he's because he's so damn young and still so damn great. And I love what he brings to this team. But I have enough faith in this team that if they were not to keep Chris Jones, let's say they franchise tag him and then trade him, mm-hmm. kind of like how the Seahawks did with Frank Clark, right? I would be of the belief that the Chiefs can find a way with the draft assets they get in return or a player in return that they're going to be able to utilize that to continue this team in an upward movement it's not going to be a dissension it's going to be an ascension ascension and that's the biggest thing about this so i'm gonna let you guys get your thoughts off on this in just a second but i want every chiefs fan to listen to me very closely this team is a super bowl contender for the foreseeable future when patrick mahomes gets his contract just trust that fact and again you can find these things on the internet yourself if Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, and Tyree Kill were free agents at the end of this year, right. you have yourself a valid point because those are the guys that you need to keep. And if they're all having to get paid at the same time and Patrick's in this contract, we got ourselves an issue. We'll be like, oh, shit, man, this might be that one year out of the next five where the Chiefs really have that shot at the Super Bowl. Right. It, the party's just getting started, guys. That's not, me being, that's not me being optimistic. That's not me being a biased fan. That's me reading the stats. That's me reading the facts off. It's a fact that the Chiefs have their core locked up for the foreseeable future. So rest easy because this team is not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I get why this city and why a lot of fans locally 
have that mindset because we've never experienced this before, man. We we've never had a franchise quarterback where we're like, man, we got to pay this guy. We got to bring out, you know, the Brinks trucks and, and, and lock this guy up the highest paid football player of all time. Uh, we never had that, that luxury or that fear, um, you know, together. So this is all new to us. I get the fear because we, for some reason, we, there's always been this like nuanced mindset about, you know, if you, if you pay your quarterback, his, his, his due, you know, uh, what he's due for is because obviously all the quarterbacks are usually the highest paid players in the league. Um, just like with the Kirk Cousins signing, you know, people feared about that. But I mean, they had a great run this year. They could still be a very good team moving forward with Kirk Cousins. Um, so I get the fear of, of, of putting all that, investing all that money into Mahomes and thinking that, you know, are we going to have enough money to spend elsewhere to, to work on the defensive line? Like you said, if Chris Jones is no longer here. It's all new, man, and it's 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 more of an anxiety-driven mindset. Um, but we gotta we gotta see the the possibility, the endless possibilities after he's paid, and the things he's gonna do with this team, regardless. Like you said, he locked it. We two his his number his number one number two uh, offensive weapons are, are here for a few years, already locked in. So no worries there. If Chris Jones either he stays or goes, and we decide to to, to work out the cap to where we can you know pay him and Frank Clark together. You know, that's to be seen. But either way, like, like, look, I mean, look how we found Pinnell, guys like that. Like, I know, I know, I trust in this organization at this point to find people to come in and fill the void for some. I mean, look at our corners this year. We had no one coming into this year had any faith that, that Traverius Ward and, 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 and Rashad Fenton and these guys were going to be top two in, in as far as like production allowed. In, in, the, in the passing game defensively, I mean, it was incredible what, what we were able to do. A lot of that comes down to the defensive scheme, and that's why I trust the coaching staff. I trust the the I trust Brett Veach to bring talent no matter what way we, we work it. Um, and, and and like I like I've said from the beginning of this year, when we were even before the year even started, when we we're talking about the our projections and what we saw the saw this team doing this year, whether it was Super Bowl or or bust or whatever, the fact that we have the guy in the league, people are going to want to come play here now. And that's going to it. We saw with Suggs. People, Suggs, his, his crew was trying to make it sound like he it was it was Baltimore or nothing. We all know that was a facade. That was all just you know PR reasons, whatever. He's trying to get back to Baltimore, but when you know you have a chance to come play with the MVP, the best quarterback in the league, you take that chance. And Suggs obviously is very happy to be here. Um, he's he's made the big dance. Um, has the opportunity to ride out in the sunset. So, like I said, even if Chris Jones is here or not. Even if we don't have the most money to spend on our, our, our defensive line to to you know keep it to where it is right now, um, or even having depth, I truly believe guys are gonna. Our quarterback has no reason to take a pay cut. Other guys do. Other guys that want to win that haven't been on any winning franchises, the guys that have been stuck in the Detroit's of the of the NFL, the the Cleveland's of the NFL, the Arizona teams of the NFL, the teams that have been bottom feeders for a few years now, the Bengals of the NFL. These teams, these guys that are you know that are have a lot to prove. Those are the best guys to get on these our our team because especially if our teams win if our team wins it all this year and then we get a bunch of guys that want that too coming into the next season, yeah. they're going to be hungry with a chip on their shoulder that have been on shitty teams and want to come prove something and prove themselves. That's what you want, and that's what that's what made the the Patriots so great for so long. Yeah. Because the Patriots have n- never had a big problem with letting big names go, but they always go and find these guys that want to come play for a winning franchise, which we are becoming. And these guys join this team and bring that energy. 
And that, that, that revolving door is constantly, you know, new, new, fresh blood of energy of guys that are coming to play, you know, whether they're practice squad guys or not, we've had practice. We look at, nobody even knew who Traverius Ward was. He's one of the best corners in the league this year. He really Rashad is. Finn has made huge play after huge play in the playoffs. Yeah. Playing his, his balls off being what? Fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Yeah. So, I mean, like, dude, Brett Beach is doing a, a damn good job. I trust this franchise moving forward. And I trust the process of guys wanting to play for winning franchises that will take less money to be here, and it's not going to be our quarterback. <clears throat> with the Brett Beach comment that you ended with, I, I think this year, mm-hmm. uh, this year, just this year, his right. draft. This was, this was the year to prove it. Yeah, yeah. this yep. was because the, the previous, be the previous draft. Right. Cole Harmon is absolutely trash. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But, so, but, but, but he's proved it this year that he, you know, he, can, he can draft well, but it's still kind of like a question mark. Yeah. You know, it's like you had, you had one really bad draft and you had one – Pretty good draft. I mean, we loved his aggressiveness so, in the draft. I hope he keeps now, that. Now, now we got to see what he does on the, on, yeah. the, on this draft coming up and, yeah. and see if he's he's. he's but free agency, obviously, free agency obviously played a big yeah. key into this too. And, and, and I and, and I can see why a lot of fans are, are worried mm-hmm. uh, about this huge contract uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I get it. Uh, they want to have more superstars than than uh, nobodies, pretty much. But but what people forget is that Travis Kelsey drafted. Mm-hmm. Miko Harmon drafted, Tyreek Hill drafted, Chris Jones drafted, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes drafted. Yep. So Eric Fisher, Eric drafted. Fisher drafted. <laughs> yep, yep. So you're talking top tier names, you know, like Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill drafted. Uh, then then you can you can throw in Passanio. You can throw in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you can, you can throw in the, some big plays. This, this you, you can throw some other names in there, man. You yeah. can, what this team has shown have has shown over the of the years is that they can draft well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year you can you can debate it was a really bad draft class, yeah. but it was. So it's but but this year they made it up. Yeah, this year completely made it up, and and from now on, like I, I don't see the Chiefs not having a, a a a like a worse draft class than they did last year. I, I don't yeah. think they can. I don't think they can. They I, I think they've learned. From that draft class, mm-hmm. uh, but but they can they can only get better. And, and with the whole Patrick Mahomes contract and all that stuff, like you you have you have uh, Brett Veach and Clark Hunt taking care of that. And, and I think they're they're pretty good with business. I'm I'm assuming Clark Hunt knows knows his business pretty yeah. well. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, I'm sure it's gonna be for maybe five six years or so. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and to your to your comment about this year's draft class, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, they ranked this class the third best productive wise production wise in the NFL yeah. for all draft from twenty nineteen draft. Yeah, we had yeah we had the, look at the Raiders this year. We had a year. Pro Bowler and first and the Pro Bowl kick returner and, and Michael Hardman, who's Tom. who's obviously more than just that. Obviously, he's proven that <laughs> he has more touchdowns in the regular season since he's been here than Sam Watkins. Tariq made fun of that. He was like, hey, take that shit off. Yeah, hey, <laughs> I, I, he's becoming a fan favorite, too. Already are coming in dressed up in different outfits. Hey, he's like he's feeling fresh, himself. The fresh I, prince, I, I, like love, I love the kids' comments. I like the swag, man. Absolutely. Dewan Thornhill's all defensive, you know, oh. rookie team already. Kids a stud. Uh, but I do want to say one thing quickly about moving forward in the draft. What The most beautiful thing to me as far as the way I see it moving forward in the draft is – I think we're in a position now as a franchise and, and, and Brett, v, Brett Beach as a GM to where we've – since he's been here, he's felt – I think we've all felt that he needed to draft for need. I think yes. at this point we're actually in the position to where we can draft best player available because I th- even if it's an offensive weapon, add to his offensive prowess, 
make us even more deadly on that side of the field. Trust our defensive scheme guys, our coaches, our staff to to work with whatever we got defensively. But I think we can go on this this I, next I, draft and just go yeah. whoever's the well, best well, available I, player. I think the biggest need right now in this next draft, but that's just my opinion, would be tight end. I think that has to be their main yeah. focus. Yes, I think it's defensive end, but yeah, because you, other than Travis Kelsey, you have what Blake Bell and uh, I can't remember the other dude. So you, you need to bring tight end this offseason. That, that that's. I think that's like the biggest. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Well, I was gonna say we, we have a <laughs> we have a whole offseason to talk about the draft. And this feels and, good. And, yeah. and we will be having Craig Stout and Ken Swanson oh, on yeah. the show in the offseason to break down the uh, draft study because of the fact those guys at Arrowhead probably do it better than anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. So definitely be paying attention to their draft guide, Matt Lane, and all those guys. We're as dumb. Well, they're smart. Yes, I'm <laughs> ugly. I'm not attractive. You're very good looking. Yes. Uh, to get back to the point though about the fact that the only guy that the Chiefs are really gonna potentially play any pay any other money in this offseason besides Patrick Mahomes is Chris Jones. Yeah, yeah. According to Spot Track again, his uh market value right now as it currently stands is right at right over 19 million a year. Uh they said that the estimated uh, market value for an, an entire contract would be 5 years 96.4 million dollars, which would rank him 22nd in the NFL in all contracts, third amongst all defensive ends, and the player comparisons as far as contracts are concerned is DeMarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys with 105 million over 21 million a year, and Frank Clark a 5-year deal of 104 20.8 million per year. So he'd be making according to market value less than both of those guys. Yeah. I guess it really comes down to just the risk of do the Chiefs feel and, and this is something I talked. I told you guys a couple weeks ago when I talked to somebody I trust very much so in the know about this whole thing with Chris Jones. Is, is he going to get paid or not? There, I think a legitimate concern with the Chiefs, and it is valid, once he gets paid, is he going to stay motivated, stay hungry like we want him to and like he is right now? Because that bank, that 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 dollar is is motivating him. Mm-hmm. And I, but at the same time, what I give him the benefit of the doubt is, is that we've seen him play through a lot of pain, durable, he's durable, and I think that you, that you see things about his his style and his work ethic that tells me that I think it runs deeper than just money. I mm-hmm. think he really does want to win. Oh, yeah. Now, that's another part of the conversation you have to break down is let's say the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And let's say that, you know, he's looking for a big-time contract. He's gone. My point, though, is, is that if, if the Chiefs offer him that money and they let's say he takes it, is are we going to get the same Chris Jones? That's a fair question to ask. Yeah. The way I look at it is this. I would rather take the risk and keep the player than to not take that risk and let him go excel somewhere else because we don't know where he would land. And if he lands in another AFC top contender, that's only going to hurt the Chiefs' chances. Do I feel confident the Chiefs can still overcome that? Yes, because like we just got done talking on the roundtable side of things, the Chiefs have drafted pretty well. And I will say that I think that I think that Andy Reid and Brett Veach can. Trevor, you're right. I do believe they would start to um, go for the best players available. I think yep. that's every team's goal and yep. target is to be able to have that Not type can do that. to be in that type of position. Right. And you're also right, 100 percent correct in the fact that there are going to be a lot of veteran players out there. Patty's Patrick's going to have that LeBron effect about him. Yep. That it's going to be. Well, shit! I want to attach myself to this guy because I can get to the Super Bowl. Yep. I can get to the finals. Coattails. If I play with this guy, I may not make the money. I can make we somewhere else yeah, where I win five every, games. You see it in every sport, man. Yeah, but but I can get I can get myself some notoriety. Right. Because look, okay, let's say let's say Terrell Suggs said, you know what? I'm feeling good about myself. I want to play another year, bro. I would because love he, well, hold on, but j- let's say let's let's say it isn't Kansas City he ends up with. Mm-hmm. There are going to be teams lining up to sign Terrell Suggs. 
But if you Absolutely. never would have, but if you if let's say he would have stayed in Arizona and never played in the playoffs this year, oh, and then yeah. said the same thing oh, about yeah. I want to play next year, people aren't lining up for no. Terrell Suggs. He might get signed, but there are going to be teams lining up now because he's on the Super Bowl. The when, he's factor. on the Super Bowl team, yep, yep. win or and lose, he's, had, he's, had really he's got the notoriety again of hey, this guy is still on a Super Bowl winning team, yeah, a, a contender. I want to sign this guy. It's there's a difference in mentality, and so I think that's going to be the ultimate factor for the Chiefs moving forward. Is that even if we have to part ways with Chris Jones. I do believe that the Chiefs can make do with what they have. And it's so beautiful. For the last 10-plus minutes, we've been talking about everything but Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, That's what we need to get to the mentality right. of. Chiefs fans, realize that. Yep. That we're sitting here breaking down the building pieces, and we're sitting here talking optimistically. Got to have that confidence. Considering man. the fact that we just all admitted he's going to make his money. Yeah. That's the mentality you need to have. And Trevor was 100% correct. We're so used to this thought of, well, the other shoe, the other shoe is going to drop eventually. Mm -hmm. Guys – both shoes are on the ground, and we're not screwed. We, we have the best quarterback in the NFL. And, yes, it, obviously in a perfect world scenario, you'd like to believe that, well, maybe Patrick will take a team-friendly deal. Guys, it's not his position to do that. Mm -hmm. It's not his position to make things work under the salary cap. And let's be totally honest. Every single year the salary cap goes up, yep. and it's called funny money for a reason. You can always work around it with signing bonuses and things of that, uh, incentive-based contracts. That, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was like – that. They're gonna upload like up give uh, was it, like upfront that like probably front half, loaded. Yeah, oh, front, it'll, front it'll be loaded front loaded for sure. A little bit over half. Yeah, because I can imagine what it's gonna be at by the time he's ready to pay Honestly, get another if, if contract. If he gets anywhere between two fifty, two sixty, yeah, for like five six years, I'm sure the Chiefs are gonna upfront like one. What I'm really interested in is seeing what we're gonna do with Sammy Watkins. He's, That's he's leaving. I don't know. I don't know. He he's made it very clear but, he likes being here. I think I, he would be one player that would take that, a team friendly. Yeah, cut. that's fine, but I don't. I could see Can him he doing. Stay that. healthy enough. Is he worth that much? No, I'm he's saying he, he, I think he, I think he I think, he, I think he's going to restructure and stay if here. There's, there's no way in the world that the Chiefs can keep him no, no. with 21 million dollars. He's, he's not going to make that. I the think Chiefs he's going to restructure. Gonna, it. He's going to get cut, and if yeah. he wants to, uh, or, or if he wants to restructure his contract, that's going to. I don't think anyone's going to pay him. According according to reports, according to reports, Sammy Watkins because he has a young family. He really likes to stay. He would like yes. to stay in Kansas City. Right. I, we can we can talk He's about a different this. dude. Man. We can talk about this before because in, in less than two months it's yeah. going to be free agency. Um, and he's obviously not going to be a free agent, but the Chiefs can make that move as soon as that all starts to happen. Yeah. Um, as it currently stands, I mean, we can talk about it. Like I said, I think that yeah, more than likely Sammy won't be in Kansas City. I do believe though, if he was to approach the Chiefs and let them know, hey, I'm expressing interest of staying. Yeah. Then they can restructure something where they take that cap hit from 21 to let's say. 12 or 13 yeah. i could live with that because of the fact that it, it, for me i would feel much more comfortable giving him that money knowing that he arises in the biggest moments as yes. opposed to he's great in the regular season and sucks in the playoffs yeah, you know what say, I mean? from, he's making his due right one, now right from week one to the first game in the playoffs what would like, dude, honestly, I don't give a shit, dude. If you're showing out in the playoffs and you're you're getting big time touchdowns like he did last game, couldn't agree more, dude. You you proven yourself. That's all you, I you need. Give, you that's give, all I need you for. You Same with Damian Williams. Two AFC, two, a, two AFC champ. Do I'm saying two AFC yeah. championships in Balled Kansas out. City. Yep. He's been the best wide receiver on this team. Same yeah. thing with Damian Williams. Damian Williams is balling out in the seven field. touchdowns. Historic. In the seven playoffs, touchdowns man. in four games Incredible. for Damian Williams. Absolutely, that's that's historic. That's that. You if you saw those numbers naked without a without a player. Without a player, I didn't mean like literally you're naked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at this. I'm butt naked looking at these stats. No, I'm saying if you just look at it from a naked perspective. Here we go again. <laughs> if you see him in the nude. If you're laying in bed, you're Googling these stats, butt ass, butt -ass naked. naked. But if you look at those numbers without a name attached to it, you think, oh, that's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Are we looking at Terrell Davis? Are we looking at, you know, one of these all-time – no, that's Damian Williams. Like yeah. that's incredible. But see, 
to tie it back all in. Damian Williams is some run-at-the-mill player. You play with Patrick Mahomes, all of a sudden you look like a Hall of Fame player. Right. So these other fringe players around the league are going to start trying to attach themselves to get to Kansas City. So as much as we get worried and and, and all riled up about the fact that we're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes, look at the contenders around the league. The Seahawks are paying Russell Wilson over $30 million a year. The Seahawks were one play away from being in the NFC Championship, or at least they were close. I'm not going to say they were one play away, but all season long, from being all season long, seed. they were one of the best teams in the NFL, yep. right? Okay, look at the Saints paying a 40 year old Drew Brees the money they were paying yep. him yep. in the playoffs in the divisional round, right? Aaron Rodgers, oh, I'm Rob sorry, in the, in the wild card round. Yeah, yeah. Look at the well, look at the 49ers in the Super Bowl, Rob Jimmy Garoppolo. Look at the Packers paying Aaron Rodgers the money he's making NFC Championship. Now, I'm not saying that that justifies just carelessly paying quarterbacks because the Dallas Cowboys are going to have to pay Dak Prescott, uh, and we don't know what they're going to be. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of like ifs, ands, or buts about it. The point is, is you can still – the Vikings, Trevor, you brought that up too. Yeah. You can still pay a quarterback a hefty amount and still build a great team around him. That's what's beautiful about team sports. Yeah, we've seen it time and time out. Just making good decisions. That's what it comes down have, to. You have the right uh, the right coaching system, yeah. the, the, the right general manager, the – yeah, everything, you know, working out and everything. Yeah, you may not be able to have a 2019 offseason where you can go get seven new defensive starters. Yeah. That may not be realistic. You can't go and pay a Frank Clark $100 million when you pay Patrick and you pay Chris Jones. That I'm not saying that you can build the teams like that every single year. That's just not realistic. Yeah. But what is realistic is saying, hey, we have this foundational piece in Patrick Mahomes. We have excess amount of money. Let's spend the money. It's going to be there. It's yeah. always going to be there. There's always going to be money that opens up in the books Use the money properly. You're going to have yourself a title contender every single season. So give us your thoughts on that, guys. Let us know what you guys think about it. We're going to take a quick break. I want to touch on something really quick about some of the people in the national media. I'm going to be honest with you. This has been a very, very bad week for the national media. (laughs) I want to talk about a couple of these people real quick. We're not going to have a long segment on this. Just want to address a few of these things because we've had a lot of people talking about it on the Spoken Group and on the Twitter page. want to talk about that. We're going to get to the Monday mailbag in a little bit. but We'll get back to all that after this. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Casey Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Joe, Joe, Joe. All right, so I want to I want to take some time real quick, and it's not going to be a long period of time. I have one particular video I want to play, but there's been a Aww. few other instances that I, I get okay. I get because we're in a smaller market here in Kansas City that a lot of times we we get overlooked, and I get it because bigger markets get more attention because there's you know larger masses of population they have to cover on the bigger markets and or networks and things of that nature. I get all that. That's why the Cowboys are in the news every fucking day, yeah. even though they're not even in the playoffs. I get all that part. I get that. But what I don't understand is willingful ignorance. I don't understand. Horrific takes to the point where you wonder why somebody still has their job. I've never been one that believes that people should just get fired and lose their job. I've never been somebody that advocates that unless they do something so horrific they need. There's no choice they need to lose their job. Aaron Hernandez, for instance. Hmm. But then we get guys that have never had really any respect from anybody ever, and I mean ever. And one of those guys that falls into that category is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. 
Now, I know we still have Hold This L to talk about, so if anybody's yeah. giving out an L to Mike Florio, please feel free to double tap on this one. But I'm going to play the audio from this week when he talked to Peter King about the matchup with the 49ers and the Chiefs and how he feels like the 49ers should play Patrick Mahomes. How, how, how would I say it? Not play, but target Patrick yeah. Mahomes in this matchup. I'll let him speak for himself, and then I'm going to get to my my overall point with this. This is pro, uh, uh, Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk talking to Peter King. You know what? At a certain level, I think that and, and I want to be careful here because I'm not suggesting that they try to knock him out of the game. That's not what I'm saying. But at a certain point, you trade the risk of 15 yards if you can send a message. And football is still a physical, violent game. If you can hit him, even if it's close to the sideline, even if he's maybe started into his slide, when, when the championship is riding on it, I think it's a different analysis. And, yeah, we may give up 15 yards or half the distance to the goal line. I mean, that's the thing, Peter. If somebody had blown up Patrick Mahomes inside the five, okay, it goes from the four to the two. Big deal. So, again, I'm not saying that that should be part of the deliberate effort, but the Super Bowl is riding on it. And if this guy's going to think that he can just run through the defense – without any physical consequence, they needed to dispel him of that notion the first time he tries. Now, okay. <clears throat> you guys do notice that I didn't say a word in that, right? Trevor didn't say a word. Eddie didn't say a word. No one else said a word except Mike Florio, correct? Yep. So when those words were released and he put that out there and Chiefs fans, including myself, went to town on Mike Florio and tw- on Twitter mm. – he immediately started to backpedal and come to the defense of his comments by saying that we were twisting his words. We weren't listening to what he had to say and just kept suggesting that we list, go and click on the link again, which he was just trying to get revenue out of that with clicks. For sure. What the hell is wrong with Mike Florio? How in the world can you sit here and suggest unnecessary and dirty violence on a player and then try to say at the very beginning and preface it by saying – I got to be careful on how I say this. I'm not suggesting that you do things dirty, but go ahead and do something dirty because it's only 15 yards you're risking. And hey, it's the Super Bowl. So analysis is different. I'm not suggesting you rob the bank, but here's the code of the vault. And I I don't think they'll notice $100,000 missing. And and Trevor, I don't want to twist your words. You know what I mean? You didn't didn't say it. I didn't say rob the bank. I just said take the code and (laughs) don't take the money out of the vault. But don't twist my words. You know, I'm going to punch Eddie in the face because I don't like him. Yeah, don't twist my words. I never said that I hated you. Yeah. I just didn't like you and I punched you. <laughs> like, God, for the love of God, this man makes at least six figures every year tricks. to talk sports. Yeah. And this is what he's doing with his his platform. And the irony of it is he has a a, a, a law passed. He has a, he, I'm pretty sure he's, he's he was a lawyer in the past, right? Oh, he, he, yeah, he is lawyer. a lawyer. He is a lawyer. That, the irony in that in itself is, is priceless, man. That is... That's like a mob. That was like a mob thing to say. That was like a hit. He was pretty much saying to put out a hit on Mahomes. It, it's freaking hilarious to me, man. I, I love it because it's it's the ultimate sign of respect in a way, in a morbid way. It's the ultimate sign of respect that we have the guy that people are going to want to go to that that length to take him out of the game because he's that big of a factor yep. in the win and loss. Yep. You know so. Yeah. And then we have oh, and I think it wow, it actually may have been deleted. Uh, this is actually kind of funny because the first take. Was uh, one that got absolutely destroyed for it. Oh, I mean, the, that's, yeah, that's the best one right there. Let me see if I can find it real quick, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time on this one. And this is the reason why is because this one, although Florio's takes the cake, I don't think there's anything close yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, how egregious those types of comments are. But um, we had a comment from Stephen A. Smith 
<laughs> and man, I think they may have actually deleted. I had it posted. No and way. Everything. I've seen it out today. No, here we go. It's actually yeah. right here. Okay. So the question was Molly, Molly asked the question to Stephen A and Max Cohen. I think Dan Olofsky was on the, on the set when they asked this question. Do, do you think that Alex <laughs> Smith would have gone to the Super Bowl with the Chiefs if Alex Smith was still the quarterback yeah, of yeah. the Chiefs? Yeah, yeah. This is Stephen A. Smith's comments. Are his weapons the reason why Patrick Mahomes is so great? Of course it is. What are y'all? Are you kidding me? Let me ask y'all a question. What? Let me ask you a question. Goodness. And it's very, very ordinary. It's very, very yeah. fundamental to me. This is how I feel about it. If receivers couldn't get separation and get open, would Patrick Mahomes look as great? Yes. Technical difficulties, I apologize. Well, it froze up right there. And I think that's honestly all we need to hear about it. Well, it gets worse, but yes. Dana Ross, yeah, and, and, and Stephen A. does go on to say that if Alex Smith was still the quarterback of the Chiefs, and, and I suggest you go to their Twitter yeah, that page. That was the nail in the coffin. Go look at it yourself. Yeah. Go listen it to yourself. For some reason, it froze up. It won't let me play it. But it, it's amazing to me. That this thought that Patrick Mahomes is great because of the weapons he has, yet we'll ignore the fact we, we everybody the consensus belief across the NFL is that people think Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time. He's the goat. There's no debating that. All these things. Yet we will we won't take in consideration the fact that he has arguably the greatest head coach of all time. He's had some of the best defenses of his generation. He had Randy Moss, Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, and Gronkowski as weapons throughout his entire career. But we're going to sit here and criticize Patrick Mahomes for having good weapons. So are we going to start criticizing Peyton Manning for all the years? He had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, Edger and James, and you know, guys like that. Are we, are we going to start taking away from, Pat, from Peyton Manning's greatness? Are we going to start taking away from Tom Brady's? What about Dan Marino? Well, let's just go down the whole damn list. Yeah. All the guys that are top ten all time in touchdowns, yards, Super Bowl wins. Let's let's just let's start stripping them of their greatness because they happen to have good teammates. What in the hell are we doing here? Like the national media has been so irresponsible with their with their ideology on this on this on this on this situation with Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna sit here and watch this guy have one of the greatest seasons of all time, win the MVP in his first season. And has yet to have a season where he didn't get to at least the AFC Championship in overtime. Right. And we're going to sit here and start breaking this shit down as though, well, it's his weapons that make. And Dan Orlovsky was just about to jump into it when he said, uh, when, when Stephen A. asked the question, if he didn't have these weapons, would he be just as great? Dan Orlovsky goes, yes. Stephen A. Stephen A. asks, why? Because of the way he breaks down a pocket and will extend plays. That's how. Right. I can't believe we have people that are making literally millions of dollars saying things that foolish. We have one that's suggesting that the 49ers take cheap and illegal hits on Patrick Mahomes, suggesting the things that Greg Williams and Sean Payton got suspended an entire year for, for actually doing. Yeah. You're suggesting that they go and do those those very things that the NFL has frowned upon and have come down swiftly and quickly on coaching staffs that have suge- that have played those narratives, that have done those things to other players. Right. The whole Brett Favre thing in, in, in Minnesota, when the Saints played them, they have all the receipts of them doing those things. And here we got a lawyer that looks like Eddie Munster telling us to fucking have Niners go out there and take cheap hits on Patrick Mahomes when he's sliding or going out of bounds. Yeah, we're going to talk about him, his weapons, making him who he is. I mean, are we just going to forget about his first start in the NFL? When his number one receiver was who? Albert Wilson, who can't even barely make it the third guy on the, in the Miami Dolphins offense. Yeah, he went down there and had a game-winning drive with Albert Wilson as his number one receiver against that stout de- defense in Denver. I don't want to hear shit. 
That's that shit is so beyond me. And that just that just goes to the trend of what we already know of Stephen A. Smith. Talk hoops all you want, Stephen A. I love you when you talk basketball. But please, I, I, I think it's for the best for you is to keep your fingertips out of the NFL because you do not know and you do not watch enough NFL to talk on it. And I and I try to consider the fact that I know these shows are hype machines. I know that they do these things to get us talking about them. No, I've seen it time and time again with Stephen A. with NFL, dude. Right, I, not, I get that. And I'm not saying that what he's saying isn't genuinely how he feels. Sure, I'm considering the fact that these shows, in order for them to get ratings, they have to say stupid shit in order yeah. to get out there and get us to share these things. Like I said, we're sitting here talking on our platform about what they're saying. Yeah. What I'm what I'm suggesting to everybody is this. Consider the source. But my God, can, can we be better as a society here? I'm not trying to be like Mr. Ted Talk here. Yeah. But – I guess more than anything, my, my, my biggest grief or biggest complaint in all of this is the violence side of things. What's well, a violent sport? So let's condone that. Yeah. I mean, here we are talking about CTE and all these long, prolonged issues that players are having long after their careers are over. Yeah. And we're talking about uh, you're, you're being in national on a national forum telling them to do this, do these things. Yes, of course they talk about this in locker rooms. Yeah. Of course, uh, coaches and players discuss doing those things. You don't think the Niners yeah, would love it? Sure. You don't think the Niners deep down would love it if Patrick Holmes went down with an injury? Of course they would. Yeah, of course work, yeah. they would. But this isn't something you talk about on a national television show. Yeah, and want to keep any kind of respect. Oh yeah. My God. And so, I, again, I've never been a guy that says people should get fired for things like that. But if I heard that Mike Florio lost his job because of those stupid-ass remarks mm. – I would have no problem with that. And honestly, I don't know how NBC can stand beside him in these comments. I really, I don't think NBC's made a comment about it or anything because well, I think they're trying to let it die down because the twenty-four news cycle, we twenty-four hours news cycle we live in. Yeah. But you can't ignore the egregiousness of those comments yeah. because if it had been a local television host or a local radio host that said that here in Kansas City about Eric and Jimmy G. Mm. Do you think that would sit well? No way. Absolutely. And we, we, we all know that Foyo's had it out for the Chiefs since the Tyreek Hill nonsense. Uh, that, yeah, that's funny. You bring that's, that up. Yeah, that's as, been there. As I recall, and maybe you guys forgot, I remember specifically Mike Florio saying that if Tyreek Hill plays in the, <laughs> this season, that he would quit covering the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Where the fuck you at, Mike Florio? Where's, well, it, where's the beach? It shows. The it, sh- it shows with those shitty takes. He probably did give up. This is why that, that's lazy. Yeah, he's a fucking corpse talking shit like this, man. Right. So I, I know this isn't the hold the cell segment, but my God, Mike Florio can definitely hold an L yeah, for sure, man. hanging fruit there. And that unemployment line. All right, so we're, I just wanted to address those things real quick. We didn't have to make a full-fledged segment about it. Um, we're going to go right into the Monday mailbag. So let's take, let's take it away. Let's take it away right now, Eddie, and uh, get to the Monday mailbag. Wasteland Society, an apparel brand inspired by the underground, the weird, the youth, post-punk, 80s and 90s pop culture, and the idea of living life on the opposite end of the spectrum to the fullest. Hand-printed in Kansas City using an eco-friendly printing process on sweatshop-free garments that are ethically made in the USA. Find them. We are Wasteland Society on Instagram. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. All right, let's get right into the Monday mailbag. Let's waste no time. Eddie. What have the people given us so far this week to work with, man? All right. The first question comes from Mago Antiveros, uh, and his question is as follows. Are the 49ers depending too much on the running game? Thoughts? Too much? I mean, I think that um, if you look at the last couple of weeks, it looks like they're, you know, because I was at since Jimmy G threw that uh, interception in the division run, he's only thrown the ball 16 times. Yeah. Um, I would say that, yes, they would be, they'd be relying on it too much if they – weren't blowing people out. Right. 
Um, they're blowing people out on the run game. So I wouldn't say that because then we can go down the line of, well, did the Ravens rely on Lamar Jackson too much? Well, no, that's because that's their lifeblood is winning with Lamar Jackson running the way that he did. And that's why they have the season they had. And that's why the Niners are where they're at. Not because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. He's a, he's a good quarterback, but they're not winning games because of him. They're winning games because of Mark, because of, of, uh, uh, Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer, uh, uh, Shanahan's schemes, the way that he gets that from his dad. I mean, that's, that's the reason why they are in the Super Bowl, and because they're a profound front front seven on the defensive side. So I don't think it's too much, but we can. And like I said, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl next week, and I'm not going to give too much away. But I don't think they're going to be able to get away with that against the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't think they're actually depending on the running game. They're depending on the defense first, and that's what allows them to depend on the run game as second, uh, because their defense puts them in a position where they continue to they they're in a position to continually run the ball because their defense is either a scoring defensive touchdowns or score or shutting teams down, but not even allowing teams to get in field goal range, which is what they did to the Packers twice. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, they, they are in a sense, depending on the running game and it's been very, that, that zone blocking scheme is incredible. We saw with coach uh, uh, Kubiak who did it really well in Denver. Um, he comes from that same tree, you know, and Shanahan was similar to Kubiak, obviously the same, same type of uh, coaching um the way they coach is a similar way with the zone blocking scheme running game. Uh, but Shanahan's actually Shanahan Jr. is taking it to another level. Um, and he he's made guys that no one even knew. I mean, I know Tevin Coleman is, is a name, uh, but guys like Mostert, you know, guys that no one really knew about who he's making look like Pro Bowl running backs in this scheme. And that's a very, very big, strong, aggressive O-line. Uh, and it's it's worked. It's been a working formula for him all year. Uh, and they're uh, the number one seed for a reason. They're a scary team, man. Um, but yeah, I don't think they solely. I think it starts with their defense first, which allows them to depend on that running game because Garoppolo is not going to go out there and win you a Super Bowl. So, thank you for the question. Yep. All right, second question. <clears throat> All right, he has uh, four different questions, so that's going to be fun. Okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, the first question is: Where the fuck did Mike Pinnell come from? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he went to college first. <laughs> um, His mom birthed him. Yes. Um, <laughs> he made it to the NFL. He plays. Um, he made a team and then got to another team and then made his way over here. <laughs> no, he's he's no. a good player, man. Like he's look uh, the way, the way, okay. The whole Mike Pinnell thing is is, is it's weird because he he literally came out of nowhere. He was signed in the middle of the season. Still a young guy too. A young guy. I think he's what 25, 26 years yeah, old. I think he's twenty eight. No, maybe he is. Okay, maybe he is. Okay. He's he's been kind of a journeyman. Um, No one really knew who he was, like I said. Um, Coming into into Kansas City, I didn't really have any expectations for him. And quite frankly, I didn't have confidence in the defensive line type of signings from Brett Veach at that point. But, um, yeah, it is is crazy, man. And and this goes back to the praise of, like I said, Brett Veach and and Andy Reid for him. They were able to find a guy like that and add him to the system. You saw the last time the Chiefs lost a game was Week 10 against the Titans. Mike Pinnell didn't play that game. Mm-hmm. He was on the roster. They decided to keep him inactive because they wanted to have a little bit of a faster defense that game because they thought that they were going to be able to get out and run against the Titans and just beat them and not have to worry about the run game. Well, they that obviously blew up in their face. But ever since Mike Pinnell has been a full-time starter or a guy that plays on a lot of snaps, Chiefs have not lost a game. So MV Pinnell is definitely a guy that I am so glad that she's picked up. It's one of those cool stories, like I said, a guy that no one really cares about, no one really knew about. Now he's doing spots on local radio, yeah. 610, you know, hanging out. And, yeah, talking, yeah, like I said, a lot of fans love this guy. And he's making impact. It's not that he's just some cool dude or he's just some cool story. He's actually out there contributing. He shut Derrick Henry down more than once on that game against them in the AFC Championship. So 
to answer your question, he came out of freaking nowhere, and I'm glad he did. So. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like the Dan Sorensen of the defensive line. Like, he's one of those janitorial guy, cleanup guys that's going to go in there and just do all the dirty work. And he, I, I mean, honest, to be honest, I didn't know much about him, so I don't really know his backstory a lot of where he came from and what he did to get here. All I know is I trust Brett, Brett Veach and Coach Reed to put the right guys in the right, right position, and he was – one of those guys, and he's become a glue guy for this defensive front, and I'm glad he's here. Yeah, he start, I mean, he starts with the Packers, yeah. plays with the Jets. He's been with some good organizations. Like, yeah, like I said, I just don't think he fit, and I think he's a testament to that, is that some guys just don't fit certain systems, and the whole well, Spagnuolo thing just, when it got hurt, he probably wouldn't even have this chance, to be honest, because yeah. those guys were performing well, too. But, yeah, it's just he's he was huge in the Titans game. That's all I know, and hopefully he comes up huge in this next game. So. Yeah, thanks for the question. All right, so this is kind of like a, like a three-part question, you can say. Who's like, it, who's it come from? Same. Uh, it's the same guy, okay. Jeffrey Collin. Okay. Um, can Jimmy G win this Super Bowl if he's forced to throw? And uh, he says, if we stopped Henry, what makes him think Mozart has a chance? And uh, do we really think this defense can slow down Mahomes? Okay, the first question about Jimmy G: Can well, he, he win? Too much. Yeah, we're not going to talk again. That's that's something I'm, I promise. To yeah. answer your question though, in the in the best way and the most honest way I can, no one player is going to win this Super Bowl. That's all I'll say about that. So, no, to answer your question, I don't think Jimmy G can win this Super Bowl. Uh, the, the second question was what? If we stop Henry, what makes him think Mostert most can or has a chance? Look, a <laughs> very different running styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, I, I'm not, hey, you guys know me. I called him Derek John Henry for a reason. I'm going to sing his praises all day long. Dude was on a historic run. So he's clearly better than any running back the Niners have. But Trevor just alluded to it. That zone blocking, blocking they do is unprecedented. It's it's yeah. it's a Shanahan a thing, man. Tight end blocking yeah, screen, yeah, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. Like they do some crazy shit Aggressive. with their formations, mm-hmm. and it works. Especially so it's the red more, zone. It's more of a system thing than a running back thing. They've had so many no-namers run for – Ruben – was it uh, Drone? Was it, I forget his – was it Ruben Drone or whatever his name was? Ran for 1,000 yards. Yeah. Nobody, Mike Anderson, like nobody knew who these guys <laughs> yeah. were. They were nobodies, but Shanahan made them look like elite talents. Yep. It's just something about that. So, um, to answer your question, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this very humbly: the Niners can absolutely run on the Chiefs if they if they if they get what they want out of it, which is an early nice jump on the scoring end of it. They get out seven to ten to nothing. Like I said, we're gonna talk more about this next week. I promise you, we're not gonna break down the Super Bowl, yeah. but let, let let's just keep that in reference that it has nothing to do with Terry Henry. It's a matchup thing. And what was the, the third the, question? The last question was, uh, or his last question was, do you really think that the, their defense can slow down Mahomes? I'll let you answer that one first, Trevor. Uh, no, not not at all. And I do not think Jimmy G can go out there and, and if, it come, if it comes becomes a boat race and it's Jimmy G against Mahomes, you know who my money's on. Uh, I, back to the running game, I just want to say this real quick. This is two different type of dynamic running games. The Titans obviously are the type that are running down your throat straight up the gut. Um, and then the zone blocking scheme is all based off space and speed. And finesse, which is, yeah, which is scary because they're a home run hitting. You've seen it. Most are awesome. had against yeah. that Packers game. 220 rushing Most yards. Most of they get him in space, and there's huge holes. That that O-line creates, and that's a good defense in, in Green Bay over there. That's not some bummy defense. They're there for a reason. They were good all year. More better against the pass than they were the run, I'd say, but still a good, solid front with the Smith brothers there. But you can say the same about the Chiefs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So we got to be – this is an entirely different dynamic. They bounce outside a lot, and they yeah. beat you with speed outside. Similar to, similar to what we do with our running backs, but their running backs are better than ours, and their O-line's better than ours as far as run blocking. So it's going to be a challenge in a whole different way. So, and then um, the third question was, uh, can this defense stop Patrick Mahomes? Oh no, no, I, I, I don't believe there's any one defense in this league that can stop Mahomes. We've seen that 
We've seen it last year with the with the Patriots. We've seen it this year with the Patriots when the when they're the number one defense in the league, and we went out there. I mean, it's just, we've, we've been putting thirty plus on all these teams that you know that were supposedly. There's not a team I, that you can that you don't you don't really stop elite quarterback play, especially on the, the the level Mahomes on right now, especially the, his attitude and mentality. I just don't. I mean, was, unless they unless Bosa gets to him and sacks him and rattles him a little bit or hurts him, shakes him up a little bit, you know, and they do the Florio. Um, I just, I don't think, I don't think there's any way that you really stop Mahomes or what, what he's doing. And I think that the aggressiveness of this offense is just going to be too much for any one defense. And they're going to have to, any team he plays is going to have to play catch up with us. Well, and, and, and if you just look at the last two games, if we're going to go off recency, right? Yeah, we'll spot you. We're down, points. we're down a combined 34 <laughs> points in these two yeah, games. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes said, the fuck yeah. you're going to win this right. game. Right. So it, it, no offense to any, the Niners, it could be anybody. Yeah, the, the Niners, the Packers, an shit, XFL but, team, it doesn't right. matter. The way I look at the, the, the Niners is they're pretty much the Titans on juice. They do everything the Titans do, but better pretty much. I mean, their defense is better. The running game has actually been better, you know, and they're, they're a well-rounded team, probably the best, one of the best rosters in the entire league. So they're, they are a challenge, but I, I do believe we'll, well, uh, Patrick Mahomes has played what thirty-four games in his career, and only one time have the Chiefs been score, uh, under twenty-three points. Yeah, and we all know so. what happened to the Niners last time we played him. So you know, well, he threw he threw this little little extra mm. thing. He said uh, he called George Kittle Little Kittle. <laughs> nah, don't go there. That's my guy. I love Kittle. <laughs> all right, next question. It's clever. It's clever. Uh, I'll give Kittle. him that. It's clever. <laughs> all right, next question that. comes from good old Billy Hodge, our guy. Hodge. It, would, it wouldn't be Monday Mailbag without it Billy Hodge. Without mm. Billy Hodge. Yeah. How much credit does Veach deserve putting his putting this team together, and should he receive the respect that he deserves? Okay, well, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, kind of touch on it a little bit. Yeah, because of the fact that I'm still on the side where I think it has more to do with Andy Reid than Brett Veach. I think that Andy Reid is the final end-all, be-all when it comes to decision-making. Having said that, there have been many, many times where Andy Reid has sung his praises about how he was the first guy to really ring the bell on Patrick Mahomes, how he was actually I, – I found this out – uh, well over a decade ago, when they were in Philadelphia, Brett Veach was the one that was the first to say, we need to draft LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. So this dude knows talent, and, and I don't think there's any real debate about that. I'm going to give him a ton of credit. I think he deserves a lot of credit just for the simple fact that he's attached to the, the success of the Chiefs, that his name's always going to be alongside of it, and he's an active member of it. And he's not just a name. He's not some advisor that just gets paid $600,000 a year just to sit back and drink a coffee during a Monday night football game. He's actually out there. He's got his scouts. He's he's making things happen. He's, under, he's constantly doing draft mock draft boards. He's constantly doing things as a general manager should do. And for that, I'm going to give him credit. And the biggest reason why is because Andy Reid believes in him. Mm-hmm. If Andy Reid didn't believe in him, he wouldn't have promoted him to a general manager's position. This guy does his job. I don't know how much he does as far as the final decision-making part of it, but this guy is is giving Andy Reid a lot of damn good suggestions, and it's working out. So yeah. we, we need to give him a lot of credit, man. Yeah, if he's got Andy's trust, he's got my trust. And this was the year for, for Beach to prove it, and he did it not only in the draft, but in, in free free agent acquisitions, My God, yes. which was the biggest run. I mean, but I mean, if it, if he can continue the, the, the how he did the draft, how he attracted the, attacked the draft this season, and like I like we talked touched on earlier, like I said earlier, uh, if we move forward and we're 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 in the position to where we can take the best player available and his ability to spot talent in any round. I'm I'm loving being in that position with Brett Beach, just picking who he thinks the best player yep. any position wise in the draft. It's exciting to look forward to. So yeah, he gets all my credit for sure. All right, um, Tommy Car- Carpenter. Uh, he's he's the next guy, but he has a lot of 
49ers questions, kind of like Super Bowl questions. Yeah, we don't want to dive too far so, into that. I don't know if you guys want to touch into this question. Well, just or, get a matter of respect of his question, let's go ahead and just entertain uh, it. So it, it, it's it's kind of like a lo- it's a, it is a loaded question. Um, can the Chiefs line uh, slow down the blitz of the Niners? How many yard? How many rushing yards will Mahomes? Will Mahomes have Damian Williams? Will Shady even touch the field? And then can we pressure Garoppolo or do we even need to? Holy shit. Tommy's got some questions. I like it. Yeah. Um, look, we're, I promise you, Tommy, we're going to have a lot of – I mean, all of next week's show. Next week, yeah. yeah all, how about this? I promise you we'll, we'll save read, that question. We'll, read, this yeah, we'll read this again next week for the Monday Mailbag. We promise you that, Tommy. Not that we don't want to answer the question. We just kind of made a dedication that this week we're going to be reflecting on what has happened to this point. And if I mean, if it was if the Super Bowl was ne- this next – the you know, in a couple of days – Obviously, we talk about this, but just out of the respect of that, just for just for that, we're going to hold on to it. But I promise you, we will answer your questions thoroughly, and we do appreciate you asking the question. All right, and the last question comes from good old Ruben Martinez. All right, he's back. Ruben, Ruben Tuesdays. I like it. <laughs> and his question, I'm sure you guys will love this. Let's do it. I already love it. Why does Skip Bayless hate the Chiefs so much? <laughs> i seen his post. Him spoken. <laughs> um, look, I – I try my very best to not talk about Skip Bayless. Yeah. I, I try very it's, much. It's purposeful. It, we, I, think we, I think we've only talked about Skip maybe once or twice yeah. in the 47 cool. – in, in the 48 episodes we've done on the show, I think we've only talked about Skip a couple times. And there's a reason for that because oh, – boy. Look, okay, let me put it like this. I'm, I'm going to show you guys something real quick. I, I, I tweeted this out today. And I, and I really do mean this, okay? Because this is this is an honest – this is an honest – my top five comedians of all time are Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Skip Bayless, Louis C.K., and George Carlin. Look, Skip, 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 is, Skip is very, very good at what he does. Absolutely. And there have been times – I'll admit, man, there have been a couple times I, I take the bait and, I, and yeah. I get all pissed off and I quote tweet him and I talk about how you son of a bitch, shut the fuck up. Yeah. All right, put Tyron Matthew, shut up, bitch. He wins when you do you that. Know, think, yeah, exactly. Yep. You're, we're giving him what he wants. That's how he has stayed relevant for so long even though he looks like a fucking pale raisin. The fact <laughs> is this guy is going to constantly make money. He's making millions of dollars every single year. Doing what he does best, which is just rile up LeBron James fans. Now, Pat, he found his new axe to grind. It's yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Yep. No matter how great Patrick Mahomes is or what he does, he's always going to find a way to to make the accusations and just to make false precedents and, and just stupid shit. And it's all entertainment. That's why I said he's a fucking comedian because yeah. that's what he is. He just makes you laugh. That's why people watch his show. It isn't to actually get something analytically correct right. or to get a good take. It's just – Man, what stupid shit is Skip going to say today and how is Shannon going to body bag him on his own fucking show like Stephen A. did many years ago on First Take? That's what it is. It's an entertainment show. Skip's an entertainer. Let's just let him have his moment. Let let Grandpa Skip do what he does. And uh, that's all I got to really say. He's he's the highest paid troll slash contrarian that there is on TV. He's he's good at it, like Lance said. Um, Not much else to say. He's a Dak Prescott guy, but you really think he's going to be out here truly believing and hating on Patrick Mahomes for some reason? Stop it. We all know this guy knows the truth of what he's seeing out there in the field. And he's literally just being the contrarian. He's literally just going out there and grabbing ratings, and we're all catching a hook, line, and seeker. I've done it plenty of times myself. It's like Lance said. He's retweeted him, quote tweeted him. Um, Even yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah. I'll admit it, man. And, yeah, and it works. Surprised. I mean, I watch, I watch <laughs> I it. I get pissed every I, time. Yeah, I watch the show, too, and it's and it's fun. <laughs> I, I, love, I, love, I love him and Shannon. They're, they're both really, really entertaining, and they bounce off each other really well. Uh, but, yeah, this is, he's, this is literally just him being a contrarian troll. Uh, out there just grabbing ratings and, and it works. But yeah, I don't believe he believes what he says. At thank, all. thank you for the question, Ruben. I really appreciate it, man. 
Don't get too upset about it. That is it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And again, I, I feel I'm sorry, guys, if we didn't answer your questions regarding the Super Bowl. We I promise we will get to that next week. I promise you. But guys, what time is it? Hold this It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's gotta hold that L. <laughs> The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. Hold this L. It is time to give out the L's, and we are going to start. With my guy, Trevor Twidwell. Trevor, who is holding the L? All right. I know I think it was last week or the week before. I can't remember which week. I think I'm pretty sure it was last week when you uh, got on this guy. But I'm going to have to give him a round two here. Uh, Marcellus Wiley, man. He's been making the rounds. Um, I, I'm really – I mean, I, I've liked him for quite often as far as like his NBA. He's pretty good. At, I like some of his NBA takes, some of it. Um, but he's really starting to really fall off the wagon here as far as his uh, intellectual – um, takes on the NFL as of late. Um, so as we all saw, Eli Manning announces his retirement. Um, we, you know, what, I'm not going to have to debate whether anyone thinks he's a Hall of Famer or not. In my mind, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, he's going to get in, though, because of his numbers and, and, and the moments that he had. Because like I've said before, in the NFL and sports in general, you remember moments, not really full careers. It's about what you do and the success you've had a lot of times, especially when it comes to Hall of Fame uh, in any sport. Um, and, and championships matter. And he had two of the biggest championships in NFL history um, coming in as a wild card team and, and beating the, the the juggernaut that was the Patriots. So we can go, we can go there. I'm not going to make that into a, a debate here about that. But I just want to play this video for you real quick on what Marcellus Wiley had to say when when uh, Whitlock asked him this question. Would Eli be a Hall of Famer if he had a different last name? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the body of work speaks for itself. Let's talk about that focus on his last name. Um, to me, that's a that's actually a setup for failure when you're talking about a great in association of Peyton Manning's your brother. We always talk about expectations, and they're tangible when you have an actual great player who's your brother. Expectations usually are vague when you're like, oh, he's going to be good, he's going to be great. What does that mean? I don't know. We're going to move the goalposts based on what we see. But when we know your brother's Peyton Manning, all of a sudden, we know tangibly who to compare you to. And in some respects, he actually surpassed one of the greatest players <laughs> to ever play the game. Taller, so was he taller? He's taller, more Super Bowl MVPs, more clutch, was able to beat his arch nemesis twice, not once, twice. So when they go play backyard football in their 50s, <clears throat> Peyton can't dominate the conversation. And more importantly, he beat him in two categories that I truly respect that I don't think a lot of people give enough credit Better looking? What? Nah, one in terms of durability, greatest ability is availability, consecutive starting streak, and more importantly, you know me, who made more money in it? <laughs> Lord, my boy Eli beat him even in the most important category. But all the things considered, you have to respect what Eli did, and I think looking at it in a vacuum compared to his brother, and for him to even surpass him in some categories. Makes Eli a Hall of Fame no matter what's his <clears throat> last name. If he had a different last 
I'm going to say I'll stop that there. <laughs> um, he also goes on to talk about how, you know, if, if, him and, if him and Peyton are in the backyard, you know, Peyton can't have much to say to Eli. Pretty much saying that his, his – I, I feel dirty even talking about this, but the fact that he's even making it the comparison, a head-to-head comparison with him and his brother, Peyton Manning, is so laughable. The fact that he, he was trying to say – he even used the money for some reason and, and longevity. Uh, none of that matters when you're talking about the level of play that these two guys can compare, comparing the two guys in the level of play, especially in the postseason. I know, I know Eli had those two big moments in the postseason. Outside of that, he did shit for the rest of his career. Peyton Manning was in the run for being the best quarterback in the league every single year he played, even until his last year. Uh, he wasn't very great his last year, but what did he do his last year? That's, I mean, we can talk about that. Yeah, that's we can talk about the success in the Super Bowls. They have the same amount. That's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about him him beating his, his arch nemesis and Tom Brady. Yeah, you know who also has a winning record against Tom Brady in the postseason? Peyton Manning. 3-1 and one in the Ooh. AFC Championship, by the way. Right, right, right. Or 3-0, and, and oh, I think. And yeah. also has numerous, way more postseason records uh, uh, than Eli because Eli was rarely in the postseason, yeah. if we're being honest, outside of those two Super Bowl runs. Um, and he also had... A, a top five all-time defense, you know, to back him up with the you know, one of the greatest defensive rosters ever assembled. Um, I, that, I mean, it's just the fact that he was even making the case. It sounds honestly, I, I don't think this is what he believes. I don't think he believes Eli is better than Peyton, but he was making it. He was making an argument to where Peyton, to where Eli has grounds to even be argumented, argumented, argumentably. If I'm even saying that word right. <laughs> Arguably, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm drunk. I'm drunk on my one beer. Arguably, yeah. Uh, I got I'm talking with peanut butter in my mouth right now. Um, <laughs> arguably, even better, or on the same grounds as his brother Peyton Manning. It's embarrassing to even have to play that. This guy's getting paid a lot of money to be on a, a national. Marcel's TV. been hanging out with the national Mel's, TV man, show, and, and not only is he, not only is he a talking head, but this is a guy that played in the Manning era. Yeah, this is a guy that was a, a, a defensive player. In the NFL during the time during the prime years of, of Peyton Manning, it, it's embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing that I even had to talk about this, but uh, it's it's very L worthy. So Marcel is wildly buddy for the second straight week, my guy. You got to do me a favor and hold a big fat juicy. <laughs> you threw me off on that. <laughs> Marcel, Marcel is wildly. I, I will say this: Marcel is wildly definitely does not have nationwide. I, I, I that's, guarantee that's that. for sure. But you're gonna have to do me a favor, buddy, and hold this out because. Absolutely embarrassing that you, the fact that you're paid to do that. We and, might have to just make like a, we might have to dedicate like a mini segment to Marcellus on a weekly basis. At least, at least lately, because the guy, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's Marcellus bad, takes, yeah, yeah, Marcellus. That's what I'm saying, Marcellus Wiley. Yes, yes, yes. It only makes sense, boys. Maybe we get him on the show, friend of the show. You know, Colin, Eddie, Colin. Eddie, who Skype. is holding the L? All right. First, I was gonna give it to. Uh, Florio earlier. Hey, like I said, but, you can double tap on that son of a bitch. Yeah, Low hanging testicle it, fruit uh, right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and go give it to Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah. th- this week he he made he made the news uh, because uh, I forget what city was, but they they uh, send out a warrant for his arrest for burglary with battery charge. Um, he turned himself in. Uh, and then he appeared in court with a wearing an anti-suicide smock. So that tells you how how much uh, the system thinks about Antonio Brown. Like right. they know that he's not right in the mind. 
And to top it all off, the judge ordered Brown to wear a GPS monitor, surrender his pas- passport, and undergo a mental health evaluation. That goes against everything Antonio Brown has been fighting for, like, this past, what, couple months, three months, where he's, like, pretty much fuck everybody, fuck the NFL. Just last week, was it two weeks ago, he kicked out his baby mama or whatever, or, and then yelled at the police, the uh, the fucking, was it, the police of the county was like, yeah, we don't want your money, here's your check back, so... So I got to give it to Antonio Brown, man. He's been taking a lot of L uh, lately. Uh, he obviously needs help. So just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you can't Yeah, you can't really make a joke out of that one because of the fact that, I mean, this is a real it, problem. I mean, we're talking a about a guy issue. that I, I really do fear for Antonio's life. I mean, here, here we were talking about whether he'll ever play in the NFL again. I, I just want to make sure that he's going to be okay yeah. as far as the rest of his life because – uh, this this is no joke with him. I mean, this is, this is a real problem, and it's just scary. And I I really, from the bottom of my heart, I hope he finds what he needs, man, and can stick with it because it, it's really sad to not only see a waste of of talent he had left, but uh, a man who's just crumbling in front of our eyes. It's very sad to see, and it's not a laughing matter anymore. It's it's. I mean, people are still calling him clown and stuff on on, on Twitter and things <laughs> like that. I think that's pretty heartless, man. Because if he was if he was our relative. We wouldn't want people saying things like that. So we really need to put that into perspective. I think that there's just a lot of things that are going on inside him that he can't really control, and I hope we can get a grip on him. So uh, wishing the best for him. So uh, he's, I hope this up can, can uh, you know, turn his he's, life I, mean, I get why, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, you got you to give it out when you give it out. But I'm saying just yeah. I hope we I hope we can see a, a brighter future for Antonio Brown because it's bad right now. Yeah. Um so that's a sad hold this up. <laughs> yeah. Hold this sad L. But no, I, I – um. I really thought about this one all week, and I've actually been really holding on to this one for a while. And I'm really glad I remembered it because it's been going on since before the season. And yes. there's, you know, I know you guys. I, there's, there's always been like, um, you, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees, and how you know, hundred and some or 80, 86 years that the Red Sox didn't win a World Series, and they were cursed. And you know, there's just no way they're going to be able to get over the, Balbi- the the Bambino curse and, you know, trading away Babe Ruth for that. You know, it's going to be forever a curse. The uh, White Sox, the, the the Chicago Cubs and the, the curse they had on their stadium and they were never going to win a World Series again. And there's always these curses that people believe in and buy into and, and say, see, there it is. That's why it's a curse. Right. Patrick Mahomes was on the cover of Madden this year. <laughs> And people were so sure the curse is that real. the Madden curse was real. Well, and and he gets hurt, and people think, "See, the Madden curse is real." And it just seemed like, <laughs> so, oh, here it is, here it is. Oh, yep, see, I told you guys, Madden curse is real. Even myself was like, Duh. "Fuck, this might yeah. be a real thing." And now we're in the Super Bowl, yeah. and Patrick Mahomes is playing better football than he has ever played in his career. He just breaks curses. And last, he does. last I checked, he's that mad. That Madden cover is still there. That's the last Madden cover that came out, and Patrick Mahomes is on there. Hmm. So I would like to see. I would like to say, and I'll be the first to say it: the Madden curse is full of shit. The Madden curse is going to have to do me a favor. The Madden curse is going to have to do me a favor, and. Hold this hell! This Patrick Mahomes took you to the house, motherfucker. That, Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl. Went I don't give a fuck about Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes broke the curse this year. I'm throwing it out there. I don't give a fuck. Tom Brady made it to the Super Bowl. I don't care. And lost. 
I don't care still. To Patrick Mahomes broke the curse. To the Madden people. curse can hold this L. Just saying. Patrick Mahomes is breaking curses just left saying. and right. Just he saying. broke the Aaron Patrick Mahomes is good. He broke the he took, it for he, took he, he broke the Colts curse last year. Took us to the AFC Championship last year. Took us to the AFC Championship this year. Madden curses holding L's. I don't hey, give a shit hey, what Tom Brady did beforehand. Just, yeah, no, just want to add that. Uh, add it. Add it. There's a there's a meme out there that that uh, has. Madden curse versus Drake curse because Drake mm. was wearing a Fortnite <laughs> jacket. So oh, the internet. So this is a, a a Drake versus Madden. Dude, if we know anything about Drake, he's a fan of all the teams, yeah. man. I mean, you know, he's out there airballing like layups with uh, the Wildcats. It's like, that Rob, Wildcats. it's like that Rob Lowe meme. Yeah. Go teams. I love yeah. all the teams. Yeah. <laughs> Go sports. Yeah. Go sports. Go sports. <laughs> That's so funny, man. <laughs> it's been a fun night, guys, and I and I really have been had a lot of fun reflecting. Um, on what was, but now we get to talk about what is and what's going to be, and I am so excited. I mean, I am so yeah. so excited. It's for this hard next not week. to talk about the next game. And and don't quote me on it yeah. yet, but I will tell you, our boy Shaggy Shane will be in studio next week with us, and there is expected to be a very. Very big guest, the biggest guest we have ever had on this show, and it is so fitting that it's on Super Bowl week. So stay tuned for that. Because I guarantee you guys are going to want to hear this person's take on this team and in Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes in particular. I promise you that. But for episode 48, for the Spoken Podcast, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, I'm Lance Twidwell. And I'm letting you guys know that we have had our time and our fill on reflecting on what was. But now we get to talk about what is. And I could not be more excited. You should be absolutely excited because this is going to be a fun week to break down what we know to be the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs, soon to be Super Bowl champions, Let's go. Kansas City Chiefs. So for all of us here, until next week, we're out of this bitch. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.